1: to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 132. And this week, I am very pleased to be joined by two returning guests, both Voice the Wrestling contributors. Uh, first of all, Gerard, welcome back to the show.
0: Thanks, John. Uh, apologies for missing uh, th- th- my last appearance on the uh, year-end awards. I was sick with a cold. But I also saved myself the indignity of saying that I voted Dynamite as best weekly TV show, but I had submitted my ballot before the Dark Order angle happened. <laughs> I think a lot of people did actually.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it ran away with it, but it's also not a ton of competition, you know. Yeah, but but it's still your second appearance of the year because you're back on the Wrestle Kingdom 14 right uh, first show we did. So that's cool. And Paul, this is also your second appearance, uh, our second guest here, Paul. You were also on the Wrestle Kingdom 14 shows.
2: Yeah, I think Gerard actually filled in for me when I woke up too late and missed like half of that sh- of the second night of uh, Wrestle Kingdom.
1: Yeah, I think I. No, I think it was Tyler. I think t- originally, like Tyler was scheduled for night one, and you were sch- or you were scheduled for night two. Tyler was scheduled for night one or something. I don't know, but uh, I think Tyler like jumped in and did night two as well or something. I don't know. <laughs> it was it's whatever. I mean it, you're still on night one at least. So yeah, like yeah. entirely.
2: Otherwise uh, I'm here in the middle of a storm right now, so I've just spent all days like looking at ryokans in Japan.
1: Yes. Uh Paul Paul and I are once again both going to Japan around the same time in October. Although you're going for like a full month, which I'm very jealous of. <laughs> um but yeah i'm only going for about 11 days but we were thinking of going to like a real con i've always wanted to go to like a jet like a real onsen so you know figured that'd be a fun way to spend a night yeah definitely the ones, you, the ones you were looking at were like you certainly looked absolutely gorgeous so
2: yeah no definitely i want one with like the proper like outdoor like stone like onsen and everything yeah
1: yeah um but other than that not what have you been up to just uh you said you're in the middle of a storm
2: uh yeah pretty much that's actually kind of died down now, but it's been like the second storm that we've had in like as many weeks as well so i hope (laughs) that like the weather dies down a little bit at least now
1: um so of course we're going to talk about all Japan for both of you here that's the main topic i think last week i said we're going to talk about noah Unfortunately, I assumed it was gonna be on DT Universe, which it was not. It was just on uh you know, what's it called? Abema, And I don't think all three of us had a VPN or anything. So I haven't seen the show. I don't know if either one of you have, but unfortunately no. that's gonna no. that's gonna that's gonna have to wait until it gets uploaded somewhere.
0: It sounded Sorry. great though from all yeah. accounts. Yeah, it yeah sounds it like people are saying Suzuki.
1: Yeah, people are saying Nakajima and Hideki Suzuki is like a match of the year contender. So I'm excited to watch that, but we have not seen it yet. And there was some Um, Man
0: related news on the show, too.
1: Right. We could definitely bring that. that, So actually, let's just talk about that now. So they announced a six-man tag for their big March show. Uh, I just retweeted it before. So it is on March 3rd in Yokohama. Uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima, Shuhei Taniguchi, and Junta Miyawaki from NOAA against Suwama, Shuji Ishikawa, and Yusuke Okada from uh, all of Japan. So that sounds awesome. Very exciting. I mean, Noah has uh, two big shows in March. I think they have the Yokohama show, and they have like another one on like, the 24th, I think. like Right? That sounds right.
0: Yeah, I think so. so.
1: Or maybe it's February 24th and March 3rd. I don't know. They have two big shows coming up, and that's one of them. So I'm pretty excited about that, that uh, All Japan. So All Japan, Noah, and Wrestle 1 will all be on the same show. Just like all the all Japan, all Japan and its offshoots coming together, basically. Yeah. So, so we could see what the
2: promotion would actually look like if the splits never happened.
1: Yeah. So uh, it'll be very interesting. But yeah, so that's a big Noah news. Hopefully they get that up on... DT universe or somebody uploads the things. I really want to see that, but just want to get that out of the way that we did not talk. We did, we did not see the show. So we can't talk about that. But um, after this uh, segment we're recording now, I've already recorded a segment on, first of all, mainly on Stardom's February 8th Corican. It was a solo segment since uh, I guess neither one of you are regular Stardom watchers. Not that I watch every single Stardom show either, but I generally catch every single Corican. And then like uh random spot shows and matches that people recommend recommend to me. So I recorded about 45 minutes total by myself yesterday, which is on the start on February 8th, February 8th Corican. I also previewed the upcoming four New Japan Coricans and the DET Corican, because that'll be the subject of next week's show. So after you finish listening to me, Paul, and Gerard on All Japan, uh just keep, you know, keep on listening and you can hear my solo segment on uh, mostly on Stardom, but also with a brief preview of those upcoming shows. There's a lot of cool stuff going on in Japanese wrestling right now, just a lot of uh, a lot of promotions that seem like they're firing on all cylinders. It's and kind all Japan. Of wild. Oh, sorry, what were you going to say?
0: I was going to say it's kind of wild, and there's going to be a hell of a competition for Booker of the Year this year, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Stardom, as I will talk about on that segment, like, they really feel like they've hit, like, a new stride under, uh, you know, under the new shirt ownership. Uh, new Japan, I think, is just having an outstanding start of their year. Um, you know, that, that feels as fresh as that as felt in, you know, eons, really. Um, you know, NOAA, you know, it has the new DDT owners and they feel, you know, like they're really doing interesting stuff right now. And, you know, as we're going to talk about here, All Japan, I mean, um, even though I didn't love the main event of this show, which, you know, we'll talk about, I still thought this was a really solid cork and, you know, as far as like uh, fun stuff up and down the card and you know they have a new direction with reportedly uh shuji ishikawa as the new booker so do you want to talk a little bit about that gerard the booking change of all japan
0: uh yeah it's been like i don't know like it just moved so fast it was actually quite impressive because the way that the company was booked well i'm in and i'm assuming that Junakiyama had a big hand in that although it was said that sushi aoki did as well when he was still alive is that you know, things move kind of slowly and you weren't going to get like a bunch of angles on one show. And then all of a sudden on January, well, there was some like teasing of it beforehand between the real world tech league and the first shows of January, but on like January 3rd, th- second and third, it was like boom, 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 angle, angle, new factions formed. And throughout the tour, like people would join either purple haze, like Zeus joined purple haze on the January tour. And then on back-to-back shows, you had Fuminor Abe and Ayato Yoshida join Jin. So just the number of angles and having smaller shows mean something like it's just totally transformed the promotion and i hope i'm not sounding too like hyperbolic but it's just been a really fast change to everything
1: so what the rumor is right that basically um you know after aoki's untimely passing juna gamma last year basically um you know agreed to stay on his booker for the rest of the year which I don't know if that was widely reported. I feel like I didn't hear that, at least, if that was what happened. But it didn't feel like a lot changed in All Japan, you know, even after he, you know, quote-unquote stepped down last year. But obviously, if that, I think the timeline adds up, because if you look at the shows since 2020 started, I mean, it feels like, like you're saying, like a whiplash, like just a a totally different vision. Um, You know, we have new units, we have uh, outside interference in All Japan (laughs) for the first time ever, which you could (laughs) say a Good thing, but it's definitely different.
0: Well, that's um, not the first time. Some of not first time ever. in a long time, like, like yeah. voodoo murders were around or something like that. Right. I should have yeah, said. First
2: also, why like the whole like back end of like 2020 felt like there was just nothing going on because if it, this was just like Akiyama like holding on to the position until the end of the year, that explains why it didn't really start like anything new and why it, like felt so stale as well because it was literally in a holding pattern.
1: Yeah. Uh, did our and D used to do interference too? right? think. Oh, that's right. right so yeah. I guess I guess that whole period was like a lot of the, the Mudo period had had yeah. a bunch of interference, which is I don't really remember. Dude, has Ruffle One had a lot of that? I feel like they haven't.
0: No, I don't recall. Yeah, I think so they like,
1: had it right
2: at the start, but then they kind of like it kind of got less as Mudo got less involved. I think.
1: Maybe mm-hmm. I mean, that's why. Maybe Mudo is the one who. Loves the interference stuff. But yeah, so uh, All Japan bringing back outside interference, I guess is a better way to put it. But yeah, the crowd seemed to really dislike it. No, they <laughs> did
0: not like as,
1: it. As, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's good heat or not. I guess we'll wait and see. But
0: uh, it's if, mostly. If it's the second or third match, it's fine. But that was the semi main event, like world tag team titles, right? That's a like completely yeah. different thing.
1: So, I mean, it's, it's really just the Purple Haze unit doing it, I guess, yeah. right? That's pretty much, which is a new like Zeus led unit so it's like it's a it, i like purple hate on the interference because it's like one of these old school like scummy indie heel units which I, i've always been a big fan of so uh you know it's like zeus and his fucking you know scumbag indie pals it's a very it's very uh very fun
0: yeah um it is fun it's just <laughs> i don't want outside interference yeah. in the world <laughs> tag match yeah. yeah no if it's like
2: uh, the, i don't know like third from the bottom like random six man tag like that's fine but
0: yeah not an title match yeah and they um, they also had I think one or two DQ finishes on like spot shows in January too involving purple his
1: yeah um but is it, it there's is there another new unit am I going crazy gin. oh yeah the gin and that's like I, in my head that's barely new because like, that almost feels like a continuation of Sweeper but. uh or you know, oh, it's, it's like it
0: almost even a continuation of next stream because yeah. Jake Lee yeah. and <laughs> Nomura were like world tag champions briefly when they were in next stream, but then uh, I think Lee blew out his knee and was out for like nine months.
1: Yeah. So you have yeah, and then he left
0: when he came back. Yeah. Uh, so you have
1: like you know obviously the the main guys, but also like Ayata Yoshida's in that uh, Fuminori Abe. I mean, it's a very it's a very interesting unit. I'm uh, that unit very cool.
0: What it is. Yeah. And, and it sort of like goes to show the changes in the company. Cause first it's clearly that Shuji Ishikawa is using his connections because he's all of a sudden there's now seems to be a closer relationship with Noah, which was yeah. sort of always on and off, but now it seems closer. And then, you know, the DDT connection with Takagi now as Noah president and the regular use of Abe who, you know, sort of go- came through the Basara uh, and everything like that. So it's I quite think- clear.
1: I think he is still considered a bizarre roster member. So.
0: Yeah. Oh, and Irie yeah. is from DDT as well. So it's, yeah. yeah, that all adds up, again, your circumstantial evidence of Ishikawa booking.
1: I mean, it's good for the scene because I feel like with New Japan becoming such a fucking, like, 500-pound gorilla, you know, I mean, we got news this week that they're going back to primetime on BSS Ahi, which I think... People, I don't think people even realize how big of a story that is, because people hear, like, oh, it's a satellite network, so people must not get it. Like, I've heard anywhere from, like, 50% of the country to, like, Dave Meltzer and the Observer said 70%, which I assume he got from uh What's his name? The Pacific... Fumi Saito. Fumi Saito, thank you. Um, like, a lot of network... A lot of televisions... This is It's not 1999 anymore when, like, you know, nobody could get satellite. Like, they are building satellite receivers like inside Japanese televisions now. And BS Asahi is not a network that you have to subscribe to. Like, basically, if your television or your setup can get satellite networks, you get that channel for free. It's, t- it's a free network. And, you know, it's, a, it's got way more penetration than your Samurai TVs or your even like the uh, Asahi Channel 2, which is where the, the, the network that airs all the New Japan shows live. Um, you know, that's a, that's a subscription network. So that one, you know, probably like, I'm guessing like 10% of the country or something probably gets.
0: Yeah, but for like, years and years, I, w- I was basically read like, oh yeah, like Samurai TV or Gayora. it's like only 10% of the country had these like setups.
1: Yeah, but like BSF, I hate that's a you know, it's a different broadcast standard that these are on. Those are like CS channels. These are BS channels, hence the name, and those are apparently easier to get. They're most of them are free. I think there are some pay ones on there, but like this, BSAT he is definitely free. I mean, just being in Japan, like I, you know, I, I was interested in, like what networks, you know, what TV stations we got, and like I'm pretty sure everywhere I went, like hotel and Airbnb, got those networks. So like, and, and meanwhile, I never found Samurai TV. Yeah. I found Geora, and uh, like BSAT uh, channel two a couple times, but not that often. So. You know, BSSI, that's a network a lot of people get. Um, so New Japan will be on primetime, 8 p.m. on Friday, the old, uh, you know, time slot. and It's obviously not as good as having your big recap show on, you know, broadcast. But this is the next best thing. And people absolutely will, like, just come across it like channel surfing now, which they were not. I mean, for people who don't know, on BSSI, before this, before April, before they're going back to primetime, they were on late night. Like, I think it was, like, you know, I don't think it was quite 2.30 a.m. like they are on broadcast, but I think it was, like, you know, midnight or something or 11.30. So they were they were on very late night even on the satellite channel. So, obviously, they've, they've done all this growth without being on, you know, primetime anywhere. So they're already this 500-pound gorilla in the scene, which is my original point, and now they're getting to get even more exposure with, you know, primetime television on a network lots of people get so you know if anything they should eat, they should only grow further from here so i would uh i don't know i mean i i think the rest of the scene uh like th- the more that they can work together and the more they can band together you know to to hopefully get some growth going with those promotions i think the better like i think they really got to put the eagles aside and you really got to give people you know the interpromotional stuff but like really give people the all japan noah you know, DDT, Wrestle One, like all these companies should be working together to, you know, really try to get some excitement going because they gotta do something to counter uh you know just how powerful New Japan has become.
0: Right. And I don't know if the Japanese TV scene is like it is in North America, where you know, people will copy each other. So I have no clue if even if they pop a good rating for New Japan on BS Asahi, if that means that other TV channels will want to put primetime wrestling or not.
1: I mean, it's, it's hard to say because, like, one of the big um, incentives is that Asahi owns New Japan. Like, they own part of New Japan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in the past, you know, like, um, you would say, well, maybe Nippon TV, which owns, like, I don't know if they still own part of nowhere, or they just own the, the back catalog. But, like, you know, maybe Nippon TV will counter and put them on the air, you know, um, on a major time on their satellite network or something. But I don't know if that's still the case. Like, I don't know if they really have the same incentive structure to do that, so... Maybe if it's a yeah, big I think game it's, yeah.
2: I think you also can't forget that a lot of the promo- bigger promotions in Japan are actually owned by, like, a TV station. Yeah. So, like, Dragon Gate being, like, heavily involved, like, Geora being heavily involved in Dragon Gate. So, like, they're going to be always tied to that channel. And then, obviously, DDT with Cyber Agent and the Beamer. So they probably want to keep them on their services and don't want to put them on, like like, regular TV as well, I would yeah. assume, at least. So, I've really, like, the only one, like, all Japan, I guess, maybe could get a better TV deal out of this, maybe. And, well, Big Japan, probably not. So,
0: I right forever. Well, the thing is, though, so, Georg does have some sort of involvement. I don't know what the level is with AGPW TV. Mm-hmm. So, that might be an issue. I mean, I mean me I mean, being
1: like... And I I, for, I forgot about Dragon Gate, too, when talking about promotions working together. I mean, a Dragon Gate guy is the All Japan Junior champion, so.
2: I mean, if you want to hear my completely, like, unfounded theory that I have in my head right now is, like, with all the, like, consolidation that's, like, going on right now and promotions getting bought left and right, the Dragon Gate guys getting more involved with All Japan, to me, like, would it be completely out of left field if Gayora ended up like either investing heavily or like even like outright buying all Japan as well?
1: I mean, it wouldn't shock me. And there are different enough promotions from Dragon Gate that you could, you know, justify owning both the same way that uh, you know, Cyber Agent owns all Japan or all. I mean, Noah and uh, DDT. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's a very it's very interesting what's going on in Japanese right now with the the corporate consolidation. Uh, new japan moving to a stronger network or a stronger time slot um you know there's just a lot of stuff going on and like you know you wonder how much of it is again in preparation for uh would, apparently is still wwe's imminent invasion so i don't know what the fuck they're doing and what they're what they're even thinking right now with uh all the other Issues that company's having, but apparently, you know, every time I ask about it, people are like, "No, that's still happening. They're still preparing." I'm like, "Okay, I don't Is know." Zero still, still working problem? indie shows. Uh, that's a good question because I haven't check. seen
0: him pop up anywhere big recently. I don't think.
1: Yeah, I think he might be done. I think what didn't he have his goodbye show like a, a few weeks ago or something?
0: Oh, that's
1: right. no. Isn't
2: <laughs> oh wait no wait that's only airing right date. Uh,
1: yeah, I think it happened already. But... uh
2: Dan Seven match, like he was like on that show as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, so it looks like his last match was December 31st at the Wonder Carnival. So there you go. Uh, I don't know if he's, uh, I don't know if that means he's not, he's done, or that's, according to
0: Cage fans, that's his last match. Enjoying the sun in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you also
2: have like Quiet Storm just left Noah as well. And I mean, he, I mean, he would be like a good bridge person for NXT Japan, I suppose, because well, obviously he's American, but he has a Japanese wife,
1: so and he knows and he knows language, both languages and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of guy. Yeah, you think they want to hire, uh, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's look, I, I I don't, I, I they're definitely going to like raid some companies and they're going to sign some people, and that's you know you you do have to be worried about that if you're a Japanese wrestling fan. But like that that whole operation has looked so and so far yeah. that like it, it doesn't it doesn't carry like I feel like a couple of years ago there was a lot more fear there especially watching what you know a year or two ago watching what they did to the fucking UK you know I think there was, oh, yeah. more, there was a lot more fear there but now you have all these companies you know all these promotions are owned by these giant companies now it just feels like the scene is a lot healthier than it was you know even a couple of years ago there's just a lot more um, you know there's a lot more like big money involved and there's a lot more like you know, promotions that look like they're in no danger of uh have going out of business or anything. Yeah. So I don't know. Just I'm, I'm not as worried as I was about that a year or two ago. But no, I, so, mean, yeah.
2: I mean Noah uh, I mean they pretty much said that like if CyberAsian had like stepped in and bought uh yeah then they would have probably just died or would have had to like sell to WWE as well. So
1: Yeah. So it feels like everything's a little more stable now. I guess we'll see, you know, what what W chooses to do. But uh I don't know, not really. I don't really know if a like, Big Japan Sendai Girls NXT Japan is really that frightening.
2: No, not really. And I mean, how many wrestlers are really going to be swayed by like the promise? I mean, I can get it for like American or UK wrestlers where it's like, "I oh, can work WrestleMania. I don't know if that many Japanese wrestlers are going to be swayed by the promise of like, oh, you can work like half for Kork Hall and Shinkiba. Like, <laughs> you don't really need to leave your current promotion for that.
0: Well, I think it depends how big those contracts are because for some of those indie workers like you know I mean how much is Daisuke Sakamoto really making in big Japan you know right and and um, what could even WWE offer him
1: yeah it's a good point so it's like what I mean It, it I think the people that will go there you know are they'll probably be the people that, that really like dreamed of WrestleMania to begin with and all that stuff maybe it'll they'll, the same kind of people that are already going and then I would be more worried about like the people who aren't with a major promotion that I would be worried about like uh you know
2: like I don't yeah, see a
1: Mi- like, Miyahara is probably no, not going there no
2: so. someone I fully expect to sign with NXT Japan as soon as it starts and it's probably gonna piss off a lot of Joshi people is like Lulu Pencil I think she's <laughs> probably like a lock to jump to NXT Japan
1: you <laughs> heard it here you heard it here first folks I guess all right, so let's get into this All Japan Pro Wrestling show. Uh, this was the February 11th Corican. Uh was the, the Excite Power Series, right? Excite, Excite Series, there? Excite just Excite Series, okay. Um, and this was a you know this, a very good house here, 1687. You
0: know that's their uh, biggest since the Champion Carnival last year.
1: Yeah, so I mean, people were very into uh, Aoyagi as a challenger. That's pretty clear, and you know any any other excitement. Of, uh you know the the general new moves going on I wondered how much if nakanishi didn't help a little bit I could see a couple hundred couple sure. hundred extra people showing up to see one of uh nakanishi's last matches that was a smart little booking to bring him in for an all Japan pro wrestling final special
0: well akiyama and Nakanishi I guess were roommates in college I think uh-huh. but they were definitely uh, went to the same university and on the wrestling team at the same time
1: yeah so I that, wonder what that,
0: Sort of did ever, comes from
1: do they ever have a singles match I feel like they did
0: I don't remember
1: one let me say akiyama cage match can always answer this well
0: oh, oh, they, they did was- in the,
1: the 2003 g1 and they did also at Wrestle Kingdom three so there you go oh okay. uh, Akiyama won them both I, I now I vaguely remember that wrestle Kingdom match that was 2009 so not that long ago but uh yeah it was only only about 10 and a half minute
0: match but um. that 2002 2000- Three G One is one of my favorite G Ones.
1: Yeah, it's a really good G One. Uh, let's see all of let's see all of uh, All Japan matches because I'm curious. He he teamed up with Omori to challenge Akiyama and Nagata a couple years ago. That was like the during that All Asia Tag Title reign. So let's. That was see.
2: like a really. In- oh wait, I think I remember that.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I was at the what's it called show, the uh, it was the Saitama show, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So.
2: Yeah, wasn't that the one? No, wait, wasn't that the one where Kento won the title?
1: I believe so. I think that's correct. But yeah, he's only wrestled six matches in All Japan, so this was the this was the sixth. (laughs) So he had a all the way back in two thousand one during the the New Japan All Japan feud, which is like one of the most underrated feuds ever. He only appeared in All Japan once during that period when he uh he and Yutaka Yoshi challenged Johnny Smith and Kea for the World Tag Team titles, and they did not succeed, unfortunately and a budokan show and then he appeared in 08 a couple times uh 2011 him and nagata lost to uh masakatsu funaki and suwama and then the 2018 match and then this match so there you go a little weird baby that he got a all japan final when he's not exactly (laughs) even been a regular guest star but i guess uh being roommates for uncle june do that for you but i'm sure that that could added like an extra couple hundred fans i think or at least a hundred or something Mm-hmm, I mean, that guy people people don't underestimate how many fans that guy has i mean he's pretty popular uh okay so i want to start at the top here because the main event i would call this the somewhat controversial main event <laughs> uh kento miyahara defending the triple crown title against yuma yagi uh he successfully defended it in 2409 with the shutdown suplex hold that was his 10th defense um So I've, you know, first of all, like, as I watched this show live, this show aired 1130 a.m. Japan time uh, on February 17th, back on, not February 17th, February 11th, back on Tuesday, which was a, it was a Japanese holiday is why. So I was able to watch this Monday at 930, which, uh, first of all, imagine watching Monday Night Raw when you could have watched this show. It's uh, (laughs) like, it was funny because my Twitter timeline was like half people, like the weirdos that still watch raw and then like half people tweeting about the all Japan show. It was a kind of funny little mixture there, but yeah. Um, <laughs> this, so this match, you know, I, as it aired, I think the the Twitter timeline and the reactions from people who watched live was very mixed. Like, um, you know, I think some people really didn't like it and I would even include myself in that category. And some people I think were like, well, it was good, but not, up to the, the standard of a lot of Mihara defenses. And, you know, after as the week went on and more people watched it who weren't didn't watch it live, I think there was almost a backlash to the first group. Yeah. where they were like, I guess they heard, you know, that this match really wasn't that great or wasn't as good as other matches, and they were like really going crazy about it. Like I I don't know. Like uh, I think I listened to the I don't remember if it was Alan for L or it might have been Alan for L who said like uh, the people who didn't like this match for lunatics or something, or he definitely used something about crazy uh so <laughs> Alan was not happy, I guess, with the the critiques of the match and then the voice wrestling flagship, I know rich and Joe were both very high on this match and you know questioning the the people who didn't like it so I am definitely gonna give a you know a bit of a defense of i guess the people who didn't like it and why I didn't care for this match um but you know it's it, i it i don't think it was like the worst match I ever saw or anything. But, like, there were some big, big issues I have with it, and that's what I'm going to get into here. Um, I guess before I go, you know, more blow-by-blow, blow, I guess, Gerard, I think both of you watched the show live, right? Yes. Or was it just Gerard? I did. Paul, did you, did you watch it last
2: uh, No, it was, like, 2.30 in the morning, yeah. I actually watched, like, in bits and bobs, like, over the week, and I actually finished it off this morning.
1: So I don't know what you th- thought of Minimata, actually, so that, that'll be interesting. But, Gerard, I know that, I think I know what you thought, which was... I think you're in the category that thought it was good but not up to his usual standard, unless I'm putting words in your mouth. Yeah, face, I
0: nope. That's perfect. Yeah, I'm in that sort of middle group. I went uh three and three quarters on it, which is also what uh Meltzer um gave it. And sort of some of the critiques, I guess I was listening to the flagship. Uh I don't know people were calling Kento Mihara lazy. I didn't think Mihara was lazy. Um, but I just I don't know. I thought the the this Aoyagi was he did some great like heel work. I just thought he wasn't up to snuff in this match. Um, like I I was really high on him going into this match because he would have been my MVP in the real world tag league. He was incredible that entire tournament, but it was like in a sort of a sprint. Uh, setting like that was this st- kind of style of a lot of the matches he looked great in. So I think maybe going the tw- wait, this went 24 minutes. I thought he looked a little exposed. I don't think this is some sort of like career ruining thing or anything like that. He's only going to get better. And the crowd seemed to love it. It just didn't hit super high with me. Paul,
1: what did you? I, I guess uh, I have no idea what you thought of the match, Paul. Were you in the the group afterwards that loved it and thinks the critiques are crazy, or what? what did you come down on the match? No, I
2: think we're all three kind, of kind of in line here. I thought it was fine, but, like, it wasn't blow-away. And it was kind of, like, the second time in a row that, like, Kento, like, the Kento title defense was, like, outshone by another match on the card. But, yeah, I, I, th- I think kind of probably uh, my problem with this match wasn't really Kento himself. I mean, like, with Gerard, it was more Yuma, where I've all, I I do like Yuma, and I know he has a lot of potential. But I do think that like generally he hasn't really shown all that much in like singles matches, and he definitely needs to get better like at like being on top in a match like I think he's really good when he's like selling, but I do think he like tends to kind of like run out of ideas when he's on offense pretty quickly
1: so i'm i I am going to differ a little bit from the two of you then because i I think I'm even lower than the two of you on this match, and I don't think Yuma was the big problem. I think Yuma looked. Really good for a lot of this match there was one thing he did towards the very end that really pissed me off and that I'm gonna talk about when I get there but for the most part, I thought he was really good in this match where people they they talk a lot about the critique of Kento is lazy on the flagship and like didn't really I don't know if they really even like engaged with it they just kind of said that critique is you know dumb or whatever so I think i'm gonna give I'm gonna give my best defense of that critique and I'm gonna tell you why I think it was more accurate here than it maybe has been in the past. I don't think when people call Kendo Mihar lazy, I don't think they're saying he is literally like not doing anything. I think it's more like in a, like I saw the critique a lot from people who don't normally like him that, you know, he gave Yuma nothing. He didn't, you know, uh, you know, I think it's more like he didn't like go outside of his comfort zone, do different kind of stuff, like really try to work with this guy. I think, people think he's got a formula and he kind of sticks to it. And to a degree, I think that's kind of true. I don't think that automatically means he's like bad or anything. I think he's actually, you know, I think he's really, really good most of the time. And in the past, I haven't really seen the lazy Kento critique, but here I thought like, you know, some of what he did in this match, like the, uh, the setup where he misses the chop and hits the post. I feel like he's done that. Like maybe three or four times during this title reign. I just feel like I've seen that a million times. Um, it was, you know, very dull at the start and that, that I think was part of the problem that the, the chop, the post thing was not a great setup. Um, you know, and then he got into like the arm selling and the arm selling is what really, I think drags this match down from just, you know, to where otherwise I may have had it like at that three and three quarter level, but like he sold this arm in a really obnoxious and annoying way, like in the. Almost like that Will Osprey like scream selling way, which, you know, like when which Osprey doesn't even do anymore. That was like twenty eighteen Will Ospreay. Like that's who it felt like he was channeling. And like it was way too over the top, especially for my personal taste. Like I I really hate that like over the top scream selling. And then the problem is, you know, like I've seen other people say that he sold the arm throughout. He did, but he also forgot about it a lot. Um you know, like, there was a really crazy German suplex sequence, but, like, that was, you know, Kento just completely forgot about the arm during that entire sequence. He was throwing a lot of, like, these perfect fast strikes with the bad arm. Um, Like, he really, it it felt like if you're going to go so over the top with that arm selling, which, again, I don't even like to begin with as an aesthetic choice in a wrestling match, you cannot have it become a phantom arm, uh, you know, a phantom injury for the rest of the match. Like, it can't, like, you have to, like, be consistently selling it throughout the entire match and, you know i think people get lost in this words like oh i don't want to hear about nitpicking on the selling choosing to sell a limb like that is on a fucking choice of wrestling match if he wasn't going to commit to it for the entire match he just shouldn't have fucking done that in the first place like just don't do the crazy screaming over the top selling if you're not gonna commit to that for the rest of the match so I don't know if that makes him, you know, "quote unquote" lazy. I do think it's like they had this idea to do this arm thing, and then it just felt like it got completely abandoned, especially you know down the stretch and stuff. So like you know, I, I saw some people say, "Well, he he struggled to get the shutdown German." So that proves that he was set on the arm. It's like, yeah, but he sh- he struggles to get the shutdown German in every match. <laughs> so it's not like it's um, you know some big special struggle it's like maybe he sold a little bit more but like if you watch any kento mihar title match he's always going to struggle to get the shutdown german the other guy always tries to break free and like doesn't let him get the grasp or whatever like that's not that's not anything special on its own so i couldn't believe i saw that as a defense of his arm selling but yeah i don't know like that's that's my general feeling um I, i don't know if the lazy kento critique is necessarily correct i think it might be I, I get why people think it's a little over the top and people are like, well, wow, you just don't like aces or whatever. But, you know, I definitely think at defense ten here, I get why there's like a Kento fatigue that's setting in with people. And, you know, even though he is an outstanding wrestler, I thought this was a you know, this was like the the nader of this raid, basically, and like the you know, where Kento it didn't feel like Kento was doing anything new or different. You know, he had a different opponent and a chance to do something, you know, maybe outside of his comfort zone, it felt like a very uh standard match you know of his so that's that'd be my bigger take. uh yuma i liked him a lot at the very end i don't think he should I, I know some people loved it i didn't like that he did that goofy kung fu pose after the uh the the, the, the kick flurry or whatever because it's like you know and then the, and then does that cocky pin after it's like i get he's doing a heel character but like there's a difference between a heel character and an idiot i mean he looked like a fucking idiot doing this this cocky bullshit when you have a chance to beat this unbeatable champion who's trying to get his record tying tenth defense. I mean, I don't know if that's the time to be doing like your cocky pose or whatever. It just kind of felt like he was uh you know, it didn't feel like the right uh the right kind of character moment for the moment he was in. So that'd be my big critique of Yuma. But the rest of the match I thought he was pretty great. But uh that would be my big complaint.
2: Now that to was- be fair for Yuma, I have to say that like all of his stuff he did and like the lead up to this match was awesome. Like all of his yeah. little heel stuff and even like during his entrance when he gave like this like really shitty, like the shitty grin, like the thumbs up to the people like swiveling the towels. And when he attacked you uh, when he attacked Kento in the like pre-ga in the like pre-match like press conference, that was absolutely awesome. But yeah, then like in the match, yeah, as you said, like he had like his weird, stupid moments in there and didn't necessarily always fit. So I think he has to like he has to essentially like channel the like humor in the build up, then like in the big match itself as well.
1: Yeah, and I gave it two and three quarters by the way. That's the rating I came in at. So very low. Uh, obviously, I think the lowest Kento title match would come in at. But I just I didn't like the match. Uh, you know, I didn't think it was very good, especially for this obviously for a triple crown title match. So what are you gonna do?
0: Even though I didn't go as low as you, it's still also my lowest rated Kento triple crown match of this reign. Yeah. No. Uh,
1: any other final thoughts on this match before you move on?
0: Uh, I've watched it twice, and I will admit that, in my opinion, I thought the selling of the arm was a little better. I thought on the second watch, but not enough to make me like radically reevaluate my ra- rating of it or anything like that.
1: Okay. Anything to add, Paul?
0: Uh no. I think I've got everything.
1: Okay. The uh, semi-main was the All-Japan world Titan team titles, uh, Suwaba and Shuji Ishikawa, defending against Shigehiro Irie and Lucas Steele, uh, of course, from the new Purple Haze unit. Um, the thing that really struck me watching this was, like, first of all, how tiny Irie looked in there with Shuji. Like, he's just—he's a, a wide man, but he's a very short man, and especially when it's in there. You know, you, you're so used to seeing him in D.E.T., that maybe you just don't even notice. Uh, but, like, yeah, when he's in there with Ishikawa, he looks fucking tiny. Um, you know, and then we... This is where we had the... uh you know, the, a lot of the uh, interference and stuff, you know, they pulled out the ref, there was powder, a chair shot, and the fans were like big mad about the interference. But after the interference was over, I thought it turned into like a a good little hoss fight and, you know, swam and like tossing uh, Lucas Steele, almost called him Lance (laughs) Steele, just tossing him around and then pinning him with three straight backdrops. I was really into that, but it also felt like it ended right when I was getting like super into it. So I couldn't go higher than like three and a quarter. But I enjoyed it other than the you know I, the interference didn't like drive me completely crazy because it's almost like a um I don't know like the like the novelty of seeing it in a major all Japan match was kind of interesting and just the novelty of seeing the fan reaction was kind of interesting but uh it's nothing I want to see on a regular basis so I hope they uh they do get away from that eventually after a while what did you think of this one Gerard
0: uh, I liked it quite a bit except for the interference I went three and a half I thought the end was fun with suama and steel i thought the ishikawa and Irie stuff at the beginning was also really good it's just sort of the middle with the interference that dragged it down um i know that there's a lot of mixed thoughts from people on Irie, but i think he will fit in in, in all japan uh with the, the bigger guys and i thought that I, was a uh, proof of this
1: yeah i don't know people seem down him i like him uh you know except for the only time i didn't like him in his entire career was that ddt heel run where it just didn't work but like other than that i i usually enjoy him a lot he's not a guy that i don't enjoy i mean he's not like a like best in the world or anything but like i don't know he's on a card especially on the undercard i feel like he always brings something to the table so mm-hmm. i like i like having I, I like the fit for all japan so i think it's you know he's in two units now too because he's also in strong hearts so very interesting Paul, what do you think of the World Tag Team Championship match?
2: Yeah, I think the match was pretty good, but as you said, like it ended kind of as it got really going. So I was actually kind of hoping there was like a, like I would have enjoyed it a lot more if there actually was like a bit more of like a good hot like closing stretch, and we didn't really get that where, well, like they just ended the match essentially, but it felt very decisive. I did really like Lucas Steele, where, I mean, it's clear that he's still, like, fairly green. But he's got, like, good size in him. And once he kind of, like, properly starts working to that size as well, I think he's going to fit in really well with the promotion. And I think being around people like Irie and kind of, like, Zeus, I think it's going to really help him develop as well. Uh,
1: Match number five, the All Japan World Junior Droid title. Suzumi Yokosuka defeating uh francesco akira and let me get the math time wow this was a really short compared to what i would have thought Eleven thirty-two with the Okoska cutter uh this i thought was the clear match of the night this was friggin' awesome um you know there was it, i mean akira is a guy they have high hopes for and he has shown a lot here and you know susumu is such a great professional wrestler and you know he you know, he has this obvious size advantage and he used it really, you know, very early on and just like kind of shrugged off a lot of hero strikes and got the crowd who already loves this guy anyway. Like they love this Italian boy, but they got him, you know, they got the crowd even more behind him. Um, you know, he emphasized his quickness and like his ability to avoid moves. Um, and, you know, it turned into like a really hot closing stretch. And, you know, the, all these girls like screaming for her, the you know scheme for akira and by the end you know susumu just kind of takes the wind out of the sails he gets these huge jumbo nokachis after akira had done a great job avoiding them throughout and then finally puts them away with another one in the yakosaka cutter uh i went four and a quarter on this i thought this was like a really like awesome junior sprint um you know i thought susumu was a great base and akira was like a dynamo in there so that was awesome uh, and afterwards, Isumu, he basically said he wanted to defend the title in Dragon Gate, but uh, Yusuke Okada ran out because he didn't like that idea. So I guess we're going to get Sumo and Okada next, which definitely signed me up for that. Uh, what it's fine, of- the
0: 22nd or 23rd in Osaka this month.
1: Oh, awesome. There you go. So, yeah. What you, would what'd you think of this one, Gerard? Uh,
0: I went four stars. I'm going to take two victory laps on this match. I said in my preview at Voices of Wrestling that this thing could hit four stars, and it did. And I was on the Francesco Akira train from day one when a lot of people were like, who's this like skinny 12 year old in all Japan. But to me, and then I was grading on a curve because this is all Japan junior division. The guy could do flips. The guy can work the crowd. That is like literally all you need to like show some improvement in that division compared to what it once was. Uh, This was awesome. Um, A career making performance performance. for akira in a lot of ways and also on today's show in the main event six-man tag akira pinned hikaru sato which would be probably the biggest win of his career up to this point so it's quite clear that they're all in on him now
1: yeah that's pretty great i mean look he's already super over so Mm -hmm. you know i don't see why you wouldn't go with him uh what do you think paul
2: uh, I'm also going to take a quick victory lap as well because in the uh, preview for the New Year Wars, I actually predicted that Susumu was going to win the belt and that he would that, that that he would have a tremendous title reign because he would be the perfect guy to put in the ring for like all of these young guys that exist in the All Japan Junior Division now, and that's exactly how it's going seems to be like working out right now. Yeah, I thought this match was really good, and I think Akira has like tremendous potential. It's. I think. I think the only thing that he's missing so far is that he needs to fill out that body a little bit. But I think he's also like ridiculously young. still. I think he's like 19 or 20 years old. So obviously, like as he like like matures and like works out a bit more, like he's going to fill out that frame. And I think in general, like having Sasumu in there is great. Like you can If you just look at the All Japan Junior Division, All Japan finally has a good Junior Division. We're only like two years removed from Ultimo and Tajiri like laying on the mat pretending to do grappling and having like a junior division with an average age of like 45. And now it's like they have all of these young people there. They have Abe, they have Iwamoto, they have Okada, and they have the good Italian boy. And then they have like the young boys like Dan Timura that are like coming up as well. So I think like all Japan's junior division is really, actually really, really good now It might be one of the best Junior divisions in Japan now.
1: Okay, so uh, the fourth match, the Manabu Nakanishi All Japan Pro Wrestling final eight man tag, uh Junakyama, Manabu Nakanishi, osama Nishimura, and Yutaka Yoshi defeating yoshitatsu Tatsu, uh, Ryoji Sai, Togiri, and Dan Tamura in ten twenty nine. Uh, Nakanishi submitted Tamura with the Argentine backbreaker. Um, I was trying to say before my audio cut off there. <laughs> you mentioned Don Tamura that uh, you know, that he's like one of the younger guys. I thought he looked pretty damn good in this match. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was a, he looked like a promising young wrestler. Um I also the I'm looking at the All Japan website with auto translate on and they i just amused that Manabu is study Nakanishi, which makes sense if you know <laughs> that word, but it's just funny. Uh yeah, so they this is a this was a really fun little match. I mean they they mostly beat up on Tamura. Uh, he did a great job selling. Um, you know, he made the tag, and then all three of his parents like <laughs> beat down Nakanishi to big booze, but then he cleaned house and all of them at double sledges. This crowd loved Nakanishi, which is like one of those reasons why I said before, like he may have been like a little bit of a minor draw. Um, and then Tamura like basically did his best, you know, Nakanishi impression, but then got grabbed by the throat by the real thing. Uh, he put him up in the Argentine. He swung his legs around to kick the mist out of Jiri's face, which I
0: thought was... That was uh, the best part of the match.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was great. And he got the win. I went three and a quarter on this. I really enjoyed it. I thought they had a... It was a great time and a great little, um, you know, nostalgia fest for Nakanishi, who, you know, next week will be retiring. So I'm going to miss the guy. I really... One of my... uh, A guy I've always really liked. So I'm very, very sad we're we're losing him, even though, obviously, he can barely move.
0: Yeah, this will probably be the last time the last win of his career too because he probably will do the job in his retirement match
1: Yeah, What do you think, Jared?
0: Oh, I loved it, like yeah, three stars just fun little match, everything it was and I, I like Tajiri eating shit
1: <laughs> What do you think, Paul?
0: Yeah, I also thought it was a pretty
2: fun little match and as you said, Tamura has like a ton of potential and also shows that they like put him in matches like this as well where it is a bit higher up the card essentially and they like trust him to go in there with the veterans and like not like embarrass himself. and yeah. I think he was also when they went to hard hit as well I think he they actually brought him there as well to like stand at ringside so they like definitely like think that he has like potential to like get into a big position so like they're giving him like chances to like learn so I think he has a bright future
1: uh, maps number three the all Asia tag team title Jake Lee and Koji Iwamoto defeating Takeo Omori and Blackman Uh Iwamoto pinning Bensei in nine fifty six. Uh, look, this was I like if this could if this entire match was like the last minute. I would have it would have been like four stars. Like they fucking committed a murder in that Blackman Ray. He just kept kicking out and kicking out. It was such a great like closing stretch. Uh, you know I can't go higher than like three and a half on the match. But like man did I enjoy myself for a ten minute tag yeah Uh, i
0: went went three and three quarters it was a great sprint uh omori and mensare are sort of underrated as a team because they're mostly sort of doing the comedy shtick but whenever they do challenge for the all asia tag titles which they've done a couple times it's always a really good match
1: yeah i mean they're omori like weirdly can still go for like such an older guy like he the way he he moves, looks weird but he can go still yeah i feel like yeah he like he busts out these these performances like a few times a year and he always looks good Paul, what did you think of this All Asia Tag Team Championship match?
2: Yeah, I thought this was awesome. Uh, like it, it, it's not my match of the night because I think I still think that uh, Akira and Susumu was stronger. But like this, <laughs> this, this might be sound like heresy, but it might be like my second favorite match of the night because I just absolutely love that closing stretch, and I think the rest of the match was pretty good as well. But that closing stretch just had me hooked for the entire time, and. I think Iwamoto and, like, Black Monseroy just kind of tore down the house. And I'm just happy to see that. I think uh, Iwamoto is kind of getting his form from uh, 2018 back a little bit. Because I think in 2019, he took a bit of a step back where he got a bit too comfortable with his formula, with the judo throw and everything. And he didn't, like, nothing really happened until he hit the judo throw in his Yeah, But I think now he's, like, right back to, like, where he was before. And I think he, I think... Having Abba around really helps Iwamoto, I think, just him being like in the same promotion because I think both of them kind of came up together as well. So I think they complement each other really well. So that's so Abba being like a regular in all Japan now seems to have lit a fire under Iwamoto as well. And I hope that he like like con- continues to develop this year as well.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think he, like you're saying, I think he looks, uh, you know really good and hopefully he does get to another higher level this year. Um the uh, where did they announce the the champion Con participants? Or was it like a,
0: after this match? I think so, yeah. So oh, we'll just
1: go we'll just go over them at the end I guess cuz we yeah. got two two more matches. Only got two more matches left anyway. Uh match 2 was the purple haze team of Zeus, Izanagi, and Utamoro defeating Tatsuya Hanami who was a uh Two aw young boy replacing Naoya Nomura, who of course got uh, suffered that terrible nerve injury. Uh, Ayato Yoshida and Fuminori Abe. Um, so the Purple Haze team won this match in only five nineteen when Zeus pinned Hanami with the jackhammer. Um, you know they run it; they ran out and attacked them immediately, which I thought was cool. It's not something you often see in all Japan. Um, you know, Purple Haze just very heelish throughout, you know, really doing a lot of corner choking and stuff like that. Uh, Yoshida got to make the big comeback and he looked really good. Um, you know, like he, he was, he looked really good actually. Like I think he was probably the height of this match. And, you know, he's the guy that like, you know, people are obviously upset that he is, you know, stuck into AW after all the promise he showed, he showed us new Japan young lion, but like, I honestly think he could do more, Like, if he is in all Japan long-term, which it looks like he is, I mean, I think he's more valuable here than he would have been in New Japan. But, uh, like, I don't think he ever would have been, like, a top guy in New Japan as a, you know, someone who didn't come through their system. Whereas here, I think he could develop into, like, a top, you know. I mean, especially with, uh, it looks like, 2AW is, like, really close to all japan i think someone's on their board like their owners on the all japan board or yes that's what
0: that's what someone shout out to the uh vow discord ajpw channel uh it was posted in there basically if you just run the wikipedia all japan page in the translator it was set like the name came up and everything like the president 2aw sits on all japan's board of directors
1: yeah so those two companies are very close together so i think if could eventually become like a top-level guy in old japan if he keeps developing
0: so yeah that's a lot different than just like being in some other like outsider <laughs> did you two it a 2A, w
1: also we took did you i don't know if you saw on the voice watching slack we were trying to come up with like the lowest drawing korakin of the year for 2019 and you know we thought for a while it was the two aw uh show from the autumn I think it drew like, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to scroll up to it. I think it drew like 496 or something. And then we found one show that drew worse than the 2AW show. Uh, as, we, as I was going back to the year, I found a, um, it was a pro wrestling wave show. And they're, they're a Joshi company that had a lot of uh, problems and like shut down for a while and like just really hasn't been what it used to be. And, you know, so they okay, maybe 2AW didn't, didn't win this uh, competition. But then we found one more show that was even lower than that wave show. It was a, the Kai and Tai Dojo <laughs> show from the spring before they changed their name. So, yes, 2AW does not have the lowest show, but only on a technicality because their former name uh, of Kai and Tai Dojo had the lowest drawing cork. It was like in the 400s. So, yeah. I mean, was, uh, yeah.
2: I mean 2EW gets outdrawn in their own building by all Japan
1: yeah like. I mean it's not, it's not good I mean they're not very tiny company. so yes I, I get why people don't want him stuck there because he is he definitely is way too talented to be doing say, a Cork and Hall twice a year in front of 400 people but if he's going to be a regular at all Japan which I mean he's in Jin and it looks like he you know if they, if they're willing to push him as a top guy eventually as he gets more experience, I think that's a very you know that's a big spot and uh hope he, uh, you know, I'm glad to say he's a guy that All Japan I think very much could use as like a top star. So.
0: And he's getting protected. He hasn't taken a pinfall in All Japan yet. And on the Jin Produce show at Shinkiba on the 6th, it was Violent Giants versus Yoshida and Lee and Jake Lee was the, the guy to take the fall in that match. So wow. I think that tells you something.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: And then Maybe he went too. to a
0: draw with Mora as well early on. Right. Oh.
1: Maybe he should beat Kento. <laughs> uh. I match. not to
0: yeah what'd you yeah. say i said they might have to depending on what happens with nomura
1: right um match number one i don't do you guys have anything else to say about this one i guess real quick i don't think we talked about no. the actual match
0: i gave it oh, I, sorry i do have one thing just wanted to say that this match to me is a much better example of the kind of like undercard heel stuff that i don't mind at all and like yeah. compared to the outside interference in the tag ma- the world tag title match
1: yeah uh, match number one, the opener was uh, Yusuke Okada, Hikaru Sato, and JR Kratos, uh, defeating uh, Hokuto Omori, uh, Suga- Sugataka Sato, and Rising Hayato in 837. Um, you know, it looks like Hayato took the pin. I don't even know who got, don't remember who got the fall. Was it Kratos? Was it?
0: I think it was Okada.
1: It was Okada, yeah. There's yeah. The, um... yeah. <laughs> okay so okay with the sudden death right okay yeah um so this was good i mean this was all right actually no actually i I rate it three one and three quarters so no it wasn't good (laughs) the problem was that kratos looked like offensively bad a lot of the match and like i don't know i mean like I, i i know he's like a he's like a socal indie legend i think but he looked fucking awful here um you know, he, he was a very large man and he tried to do like this weird, like handstand thing on the corner and just messed it up. And, you know, he just was like, fucking looked awkward throughout, it just never looked like he was comfortable in there. You know, maybe it's something where he just was really nervous about wrestling in Cork and Hall, but he looked really awful. So he dragged his match down a lot. And, you know, I thought it was just kind of there otherwise. And really Kratos was like offensively bad. So I would go one, and I went one and three quarters, but, uh, you know, it's cool to see, whenever I see these, like, these uh, Russell 1 f- trained freelancers, uh, you know, which is Sato in this one. I mean, the, it's just funny to me because, like, they're the only promotion that, like, promotion school that will train you and let you go wherever you want. And I always think of this one guy, I can never remember his name, but, like, who trained with Russell 1, but his dream, his dr- lifelong dream was to join the zero one roster, and it's like maybe <laughs> aim a little higher. Like your lifelong dream in twenty eighteen is to join the zero one roster. Like there's got to be an easier way to join the yakuza, buddy. Know. <laughs> maybe it's <he's dying>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> But it's very. Uh, I don't. I, I always think of that guy whenever I never see these Wrestle One f- trained freelancers. But I don't think that's Santor. I think it's somebody else. But uh, there you go. But yeah, just pretty cradle socked. Everybody else looked fine. What do you think of this one, Paul?
2: I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, I think maybe the one thing, the only other time before this match where I have seen Kratos was when I think he had a match with uh, Andy Williams or the, is he the Butcher or the Blade? I think it's the Butcher. Uh, And they had like a really fun match on Bloodsport. And I think in this case, yeah, he did look fairly immobile. I do think he had, like, some decent instincts. I don't know if he's, like, really, like, a viable, like, long-term member. And there were definitely, like, some spots where, like, there was a bit of awkwardness between him and his teammates as well. But, yeah, I don't know about uh, it. But, look, it's not like he's, like, the worst person that, like, the worst gaijin that all Japan has brought over recently. So, who knows, maybe he can improve a bit with time as well if he gets more comfortable.
1: Yeah, uh, And then, let's see What do you think, Gerard, of this one?
0: Uh, yeah, I thought it was fun once Kratos got out of the way at the beginning and all the young guys looked great uh, To be fair to Kratos, he looked better on today's show but, like, I just don't see the point of investing him in as anything long-term for this company, especially with some of the other uh, foreigners you've got coming in, who are also a lot younger. Kratos is in his late 30s, too So, you know
1: uh, so there you go. I thought this was a fun show. I mean, if this was like, if if I liked the main event, if the main event was like a you know one of these Miyahara uh, triple crown matches, I went like four and a half or four and three quarters on, then this would have been like an outstanding show. But even with a very disappointing main event, I still I still enjoyed myself. It was a fun Corkin. And-
0: yeah, and I think the show did everything that it set out to do, which was like get over like some younger wrestlers too. So yeah. that should be seen as a big success
1: uh so let's talk about the champion carnival entries before we wrap this segment up um we we get we got the entrance and of course they're going to start on uh monday april 6th at corrigan hall uh the tournament runs until may 5th also at corrigan i believe that the last three nights are all at corrigan actually um so the entrants are kento miyahara davy boy smith jr uh making his all japan debut i want to say has he ever wrestled in all japan before I no, I don't of, think so. Yeah. So uh, th- that got a big reaction from the crowd as I guess, a lot of the ex-New Japan guys are always going to get. Uh, Jake Lee, Suwama, Yuma Aoyagi, Shuji Ishikawa, uh, Zeus, Nero Nomura, Yoshitatsu, Kai making his return. He was not in last year's tournament, uh, even though he's been a freelancer there for a while. Uh, Ryuji Sai, Joel Redmond returning from last year. The he, I thought he was great last year, so that's that's pretty cool. Uh, Gianni Valletta. Uh, Lucas Steele and the newcomer from the UK, and then we have a lot of new faces. Uh, Shigeru Irie, obviously, he's been a regular. Uh, Hideyoshi Kamatani coming in from Big Japan. I think he's a big upgrade on Daichi Ashimoto from Big Japan last year. <laughs> uh, Ayato Yoshida, who's you know been a regular, so that's not surprising. And then probably to me like the biggest surprise is we get Takashi Shigera from Noah. So maybe, actually, maybe you could call Dave Boy the biggest surprise. But either way, they're both big surprises. And, uh, I, but I'm, I'm really excited to see Sugara, you know, mix it up there with some of these names. I mean, obviously you we'll have to wait and see what the blocks are, but man, if we get Kento and Sugara, that's going to be fucking, you know, really something. Uh, so last I did mention Nomura's name. He was announced. I guess really nobody knows if, uh, you know, he will be the, uh, the guy who, uh, you know, if he will be able to come in, I mean, he's supposed to be the guy that wins. I think is what most people are thinking. Yeah. And you know, he has this injury, and no one really knows if he's for sure going to be able to make it. So we'll wait and see if he if he gets replaced. Uh, will Junakiyama have to replace him again? I guess we'll see. I also have the full schedule here. I guess I can go through it really quickly. But um, but yeah, everything's in the air on AllJapan I don't know. They said like I don't think it's all going to be live, right? I think it, some of it'll be VOD some uh, of it
0: probably but every show like last year every show made it yeah. up other live or vod i mean you can watch
1: every single champion carval match so they'll all be on there whether it's live or but on tape so uh you know i you know i, I did that last year i definitely or, or two years ago i definitely recommend doing that or at least watching you know all the hype matches so there'll be a lot of really good stuff um i guess before i do the schedule any thoughts on the lineup Gerard?
0: uh looks pretty damn good to me um i don't really see any problems i mean the valetta is the valetta thing right i mean yeah someone's got he, to, the,
1: it has its charm
0: even if he's not like
1: he's not good but yeah. at least i would rather have a a charming bad wrestler than just a bad wrestler you know yeah so.
0: well it's the same thing it's a night off like because they're just going to yeah. ball around play with the chain and then like go to the finish in seven eight minutes so
1: yeah it's like Yano. He's like the Yano yeah. the champion Carnival. Yeah,
0: and he's that.
2: drawing purple haze now as well, so I think it's like a perfect fit for that, too.
1: Yeah. So I've I got no problem with Yano, lot. I ain't gonna hate on him. He should uh, pin
2: Pento again. Yeah, he absolutely <laughs> should pin Pento <laughs> again, and then he should get his title shot, and then you yeah. should take the
0: title. Hashtag justice for Johnny. <laughs> um, um, I'll just also say... uh. It's funny because I know not everyone loves Davy Boy Smith Jr., I actually do like him. Uh funnily enough, I've been catching up on MLW and he's actually been pretty good at, in it in the last couple of months because he's also getting a push and is pretty high up on the card. So I'm not saying he's gonna be a slam dunk, but I would say more likely than not, the chances of him being pretty good in all Japan, you know, it's more likely than not he'll be good in all Japan, I should say.
1: I really want you know what? My- I really want to see if they. I just I just checked this while you were talking to see if it's happened before, and it has not. Other than they were in a six man tag on the All Together Show in 2011 at the Budokan, but I hope they're in the same block. I want to see Takashi Sugiura and Suwama. I don't know why in my head that just sounds like something that would be. I, mean, I guess they've both been around forever, and they're both kind of like grumpy old guys now. I would like to see that match. So yeah, I, I think, think maybe I like I
2: think maybe like it could like for that block it could come down to like those two as well.
1: Yeah. Well we don't have the blocks yet, do we?
2: No, 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 I know, but yeah. like if in the same block, right. like I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if that's like one of the final matches.
1: Yeah.
0: And I I think uh even if Nomura is uh healthy, I think there's a good chance that Sugera might end up just winning this anyway.
1: Yeah. I mean that'd be a hell of an outsider title defense, so yeah, you know,
2: like the no marufuji well i'm and, very certain he will at least make the final as well and whoever he's like up
0: against in the final it's going to be tremendous and there's also like the issues like could you sort of string things along longer like have sugera beat kento and then have nomura beat sugera
1: hmm.
0: you know i, I mean know. that would, that would almost be my play if nomura gets if nomura
2: can't make the tournament and to just have Segura beat Kento, and then just have Nomura take the title whenever he recovers from his injury.
1: Yeah. All right, so let me go through the schedule here before we wrap it up. Uh, it starts April 6th, a Monday at Corican Hall. Uh, then we get April 11th in Okayama, so it really goes right out in the countryside well. Wow. Uh, April 12th in Fukuoka, uh, the 13th in Kumamoto, and the 14th in Kagoshima, so you get four straight nights there. Uh, then the 16th in Hiroshima, the 17th in the Taisho Osaka, which is subtitled the Spring Zeus Festival. I thought it was funny. Uh, the 18th in the more traditional Ideon Arena Osaka, the second hall, of course. The 19th in Aichi in Nagoya, the International Conference Hall. I think that's the same place where I saw Big Japan Death Vegas, which is it's a fun little venue. Uh, the 21st in Fukushima, the 22nd in Miyagi, uh, or Death Mania, not Death Vegas. Whatever, it doesn't matter. 22nd, Miyagi, 23rd again in uh, Sendai City. Uh, and then they come with those two nights in Okaiwa that were awesome last year in uh, the 25th and 26th in Sapporo, uh, the 29th in Chiba. And then we get the three straight nights of Korkin, the 30th, uh, The then we, there's a little break, and then May 4th, and then finally the finals on May 5th. So that is your All Japan schedule for the Champion Carnival. Definitely uh, something I'm, I'm looking forward to a lot. A great lineup here. Um, you know. So we'll definitely uh, follow that along here probably in April on this podcast. But there you go. Okay, let me get into some All Japan questions before we wrap up this segment. Uh, we did get a few. So... And I already did the stardom questions. You can hear those on the stardom segment that's coming up. Uh, from Thoros, he says, if Nomura can't come back in time and June refuses again, who should they throw in the champion carnival? Who do you think, George?
0: Um, Iwamoto, maybe. Mm. Just because like, I go. think all of the heavyweights are taken and used up in the company. And he would be the junior, I guess, who could sort of fit in because he's not like super small.
1: Um, what do you think Paul Any, any? do you agree with that one or somebody else? I mean
2: if it, if it has to be an All Japan roster member that probably would be my play as well if Akiyama really doesn't want to step in if it comes to like bringing in an outsider I wouldn't mind like seeing someone like you know make a return to All Japan as well because I think every promotion in Japan needs more Yuji Hino really <laughs>
0: uh, oh I Niagara forgot Dr- uh, also I would say Udomaro oh yeah uh, yeah because he's just hanging around, doing a lot of dates for them, and he's in purple haze. As long as he, they don't have outside interference, for the love of God.
1: <laughs> uh, Niagara Driver on Twitter says, uh, we, we kind of covered this, but what he said, What do you see in the future for Yoshida and 2AW in general in all Japan? And we said they, they do have like a big connection there. I honestly think they might be able to push Yoshida all the way to the top. So
0: yeah I agree
2: I think you. that would be yeah I think that would be really smart to push Yoshida to the top it's just it's something that I actually noticed on the show as well and i mean it's kind of something that we know he has a lot of potential but like looking at him like on the show I just realized that like that guy is like a proper star and like even if he's not like an all japan guy and even if he's not signed given that 2 aw is never gonna be a threat to them like I think they should definitely push him
1: uh okay so over in the divorce of wrestling discord there uh drawman had a million questions here first of all thoughts on lucas Steele?
0: i like him a lot uh on today's show he looked the best he has uh in all japan i know he's only been on i guess that's his fourth or fifth show for them so i think he's growing into the role and he's gonna be you know in the ring with like people like uh suwama and ishikawa and that to learn from so i think uh they found uh like a young guy on some small english indie that no one had seen and they snapped him up and i think it'll work out well for them
1: and i should say a lot of his questions we did cover already so i'm only getting into the ones we didn't uh do you have any thoughts on lucas Steele to add paul
0: uh,
2: I'm just happy that Lucas Steele like is with all Japan now and isn't going to be like another failed project of nXt uk so I'm happy he's in Japan now uh
1: then he said thoughts on Oh, okay your dark horses for the champion carnival um so I guess he means like who could win that i don't know if there's a great dark horse maybe if they really want to go and say maybe Yoshida i I would totally do it. If it was me, I would just have Machida wear the damn thing and then win the title from Kento. Like really like just go crazy with that push and try to like establish him as like equal to Kento already. But I don't know. I don't think they will do it, but I think, you know, it's my I'll, I'll answer that as my dark horse.
0: Jake Lee could be a dark horse because he made the finals last year. So there's that sort of story. But I don't think he's gonna do that. I don't think that's gonna happen. Um Yeah, I guess Dark Horse, as weird as that sound, would be
2: Kento himself, I guess. Since they could go, well, let's just give it to, like, in case Nomura gets injured and they don't come up with a good idea, they could just go, well, let's just give it to Kento and then just take it from there.
1: Uh, And then he said, your favorite matches memories of Joe Doring," And he said, show me your power versus Zeus doesn't count. Buddy, you're not going to tell me what to do. That's my favorite memory (laughs) uh, of Joe Doring. That was so awesome.
0: Well, I will say this, uh, January 2015 versus Go that was an awesome match.
1: Yeah, that's one of the incredible match. Yeah, love that match.
0: Him
2: just hitting an absolutely murderous, like, revolution bomb when he turned on Savama was pretty great, too.
1: And, and like, just returning from cancer in general was just a
2: great moment. Yeah, that's obviously the best part, yeah.
1: Uh, and then Jamie O.D. from uh, Dramatic DDT, he said, the thing I want to know with Doring is do many foreigners get a good, big goodbye when they're done with Japan? Hawk and DG and Kenny and DDT are all I can think of from this gen. Uh, there were some other Dragon Gate ones people brought up, but yeah, in general, I don't think it really uh, happens very often. So,
0: I guess it's, we uh, should... Yeah. I, I, we never really addressed this, but I guess we should say all the rumors are saying that Doring is done with all Japan. Yeah. Uh, which makes yeah. sense, because he's taking... Indie bookings in the U.S., which he doesn't often do. So, uh,
1: small Doink over in the Super J Cast Discord says, basically his question was, "Does Kento have the worst defining title run as an ace?" Uh, I'm going to say no.
2: No, that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I get the, the Doink does not like him like at all and I don't I think he had a lot of I think Keto had a lot of really good defenses mm-hmm. until yeah. this one. I will say it got it has gotten long of the tooth, but like a lot yeah. of that is not their fault because like they just don't have anybody else on this roster. So like I don't know. Yeah. Not, I, mean, I don't know. I, I feel not. like
0: remember when I tr- I don't know Paul, I think we talked about this, but like people were like, Oh, Sekamoto's gonna pin Miyahara in the uh real world tag league and we're gonna get Sakamoto versus Miyahara oh, yeah. in January and everything like that. I do think they probably could have tried to get a couple more outsiders to face him. Um, but that's my only like quibble. Otherwise, it's been yeah. amazing. Yeah. Like I get uh, the whole
2: stop the Kento meme and all of that, but like let's just keep it as what it is, which is like a like decent joke to make at times because as you said, it has gotten long in the tooth. But like let's not forget like all of the like just tremendous list of matches that like he's had in that title reign as well like if you just like the show we did with thomas as well where we did like the where we did the like uh the indie japan in uh in the, the japan indie the in the year in review episode where we spent like i think pretty much an hour just talking about kento matches like it's been an amazing title reign but it should mm-hmm. end soon yes
1: All right, so with that, let's go ahead and wrap up this segment. Um, Of course, as I mentioned, you can keep on listening because I have a uh, a Stardom solo review. The second time I've done a solo review on this podcast. It's already recorded, so definitely keep listening after Paul and George say their goodbyes here. I also realized after I recorded it, so at the end of that solo segment, I list like a lot of other voice and wrestling podcasts and stuff, and I think I got every single one, except I think I forgot Open the Force Gate, which is funny because <laughs> I started that show. So the only one I forgot was the show that I fucking started. So uh, tune in for that. That'll, that's coming up at the end of the, <laughs> at the end
0: of the show, I guess.
1: But Jar, uh, give me some plugs and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. so just keep your eyes out. There'll be... Wall-to-wall champion carnival coverage at Voices of Wrestling. Uh, I will have a preview um, that I'm sure maybe Paul will want to contribute to. And last year, uh, Paul Thomas and I, between the three of us, re reviewed every champion carnival show, or at least the tournament matches. So uh, aiming to do that again this year. Yes, absolutely.
1: I'm I'm sure you guys can come back on to talk champion carnival if you want. So, yeah, I think yeah. there'll be
0: probably a lot of news coming out of it and stuff mm-hmm. too. And yeah. I'm sure there will be a
2: couple of matches as well that might be worth talking about too.
1: Yeah. So Paul, I'll give me you your plugs. I know you love to plug your Twitter.
2: Oh yeah, obviously. Uh, don't follow me on Twitter. <laughs> so subscribe to All Japan TV instead and DDT Universe as well to watch some DDT and Noah. And yeah. Otherwise, right. uh, yeah, as I said, w- uh, watch out for our wall-to-wall coverage of everything Champion Carnival coming up.
1: Voiceofwrestling.com Alright folks, so uh, There'll be a little musical interlude here Probably, and then I'll be back in a second With my solo review Of the Stardom Corkin and my Previews of the Upcoming New Japan and DDT Corkin so stay in, stay on the line For that, or I don't know why it's on the line Keep listening, see you in a sec Emergency, it is an emergency Go
2: right. right. oh, down to the Queen's.
1: Okay, folks, through the magic of audio, after that little break, we're back here on Wrestling Omikase. Uh, you just finished listening to an interview with Paul and Gerard on All Japan Pro Wrestling that I honestly have not recorded yet, so to give you a peek behind the curtain, uh, I'm recording this little solo segment on uh, Saturday night, whereas, you know, the, the the segment on All Japan with Paul and Gerard I'm recording on Sunday, so through the magic of audio... You've already heard that segment, but I have not yet recorded it, so hopefully it went great. I don't see why it wasn't. They're both great guests. But uh, I guess you probably heard me rant a little bit about uh, why I wasn't a huge fan of the Kento Miyahara match and all that. So I guess I uh, don't need to go into that again. But yeah, that's basically what I'm going to talk about. What you're going to hear is uh, me not, being not a big fan of uh, Kento's latest title match. A crazy person, I think, is what uh, people said. <laughs> some people said. But what I am a big fan of is this stardom show, the February 8th Corican Hall show, the Road to Major League. Uh, this show was outstanding. Uh, I didn't see the, the, the dark match of the open. I watched four matches. But the four matches I saw were all, you know, ranged from good to freaking outstanding. Um, you know, I really enjoyed this show, and I'm really, you know you know, starting, I thought, had a great year last year, but this year, so far, I mean, has just been really great, um, I don't know if they've overtaken DDT for me, but it's really close, I mean, they're just having an outstanding start of the year, um, you know, two straight Corkins that were, that were really, really good, and, you know, I really like how everything is unfolding right now, and you have a lot of different storylines going on, uh, you have a lot of different, you know, elements like this unexpected marvelous invasion that kind of came out of nowhere of course the main event was supposed to be mayu Iwatani against Siri, which i'm sure would have been awesome but the main event we got with mayu and uh and you know takumi Roja ended up being f- fucking awesome so i mean who can complain and you know there's just a lot going on in these shows and you know all of it's really interesting and really fun and they just have so- like that roster now is so stacked i mean there are a lot of wrestlers on this stardom roster now who, like, are not really getting pushed that hard. Like, we're going to talk about one in, uh, the of Stardom title match that would be, like, the best wrestler on a lot of rosters. Like, okay, I, I mean, I, no spoiler here. Azumi, you know, Azumi, 17 years old. If you drop that woman, uh, into AEW, she would be the best woman's wrestler on that roster by, like, a fucking mile. She would be better than, like, 90% of the men. So and you know and she's not even a main event pushed act in Stardom, so that's a you know that's just like the the rich the the like riches they have right now as far as like just a completely stacked roster, uh, you know, full of women that like you know and or, or even I guess at her point not even not even an eighteen year old woman but like a seventeen year old girl who's better than most of the wrestlers on this earth, and you know if they. As long as she doesn't, like, retire to graduation, which would be really awful because she's so good. I mean, they have, like, a, a legit star in their hands in her for, like, the next, like, decade or however long she sticks around. But, um, yeah, let's go match by match here because all four matches I saw here were pretty good. Uh, it started—or at least pretty good. I mean, three of them were really, really good. It started out with the Artist of Stardom uh, number one contendership match, Hanakimura, Kimura, Jungle Kiona, and Konami from Tokyo Cyber Squad. Taking on not, taking on Natsu Kotora, Saki Kashima, and Natsu Sumali from um the of course from Oedo Tai. First of all, I love the new I don't know how new it is actually because I don't watch every single house show. But the I guess relatively new heel remix of the Oedo Tai song. It sounds like much more evil now, and it got me thinking like fa- the Oedo Tai you know must be much must be much more heelish now. And in some ways they are, but man they were like uh you know they didn't really play heel this match especially early on where like you know they they basically konami and jungle like really took turns beating the absolute crap out of Saki. and i i, I was like wondering going in i haven't seen a lot of heel Saki yet and i was like well what is she like as a heel and i, I don't know if this match really gave me a good answer because like, it was a lot of like her doing what she you know had normally done as a baby face in the stars which is you know, just getting beat up and selling her ass off, which she's very good at, so I'm not, you know, she was good at it here, but it's very weird when she's, like, you know, dressed in all black, and she's giving these very heelish promos, but, like, she's still very much playing babyface in peril here, so that was interesting. Um, You know, then, they they kept, uh, TCS kept playing heel in the match a lot, because they also cut Natsu off from doing the, bronco buster at one point and they got lustily booed by the Corican crowd for not letting them do or not letting natsu rub her crotch in uh, somebody's face but natsu did get to do it afterwards so don't worry the, the perverts rejoiced because uh, of course natsu sells those t-shirts that say pervert scum on them uh she really loves her crotch-based attacks in general because she also in addition to using her own crotch she like punishes the crotches of all the other women and this is uh going places. I'm not sure I wanted to go, but you know a lot of uh, like Manhattan drops, those reversed. I think that's what those reversed atomic drops are called, right? I don't have anyone to ask because this is a solo podcast. But a lot of those. Uh, and then she also did like the the leg drop to the crotch at one point, and yeah, really uh, really crotch based offense. And then Jungle and Natsugatora, they had their big sick gal showdown, and you know they both were like running into each other. They both managed to knock each other down with the shoulder block... ...so that uh, Tora finally put her down with a spear. Um, all three members of Tai isolated Konami. And Tora, like, you know, nearly pinned her... ...with a, a splash off the top before a teammate saved. Um, and then Tokyo Cyber Squad kind of came back... ...and isolated Saki. But when Konami tried to get her in the Triangle Lancer... ...it led to this really cool, like, uh, pinfall reversal sequence... ...where they, you know, first... ...Saki reversed it into a cradle... Uh, Konami versus that back into another cradle, and then Saki reverses that into another cradle for the pinfall. So that was a great finish. I added a quarter star just for that. Uh, it was fun. It wasn't like the greatest match of all time or anything, but I went three and a quarter. I had a good time with it. Uh, it was a, just a little weird. I expected a little more, I guess, heel work from Tie, but they were, you know, what they did was still fun. So that was match number one, and by far the weakest of the four. So if the weakest of the four matches... It's a fun three and a quarter star match you know you've got a pretty good show here uh the next match was for the artist of stardom titles momo watanabe utami Hayashishida, and azumi the uh queen's quest team taking on julia Siori, and Mika. um so this match this is this was really good and, you know, I... Oh, first I have to mention the pre-match promo. So Mo, Mo Watanabe calls them uh, Dona Del Voldemort. And Izumi adds that they're the unit who must not be named, which is pretty funny. I'm not even really into Harry Potter, but I thought that was funny. And then they easy say that they're angry because they're old ladies. So Queen's Quest continues their, uh, their history of being, like, the most vicious uh, on the mic, especially. They... Momo loves to bury people, and I guess it's, rub- it's rubbed off on Izumi, too. But, yeah, it was really funny. Uh, so everyone paired off early, and we got, like, a bunch of brawling. And, you know, Siri and... Um, I think I've mispronounced that. I'm very sorry. But Siri and Momo eventually end up in the ring together. They start trading these really stiff-looking kicks. And then Momo starts destroying her with a series of even stiffer drop kicks. So that was really cool. Um, then we end up with the Micah and... Uh, M- Micah? Yeah, and the Utami thing. Well, they're like tossing each other around with these judo throws, and you know, Mika, of course, uh, you know, is a judoka just like Utami, and she, you know, she—they've had these meetings before, and just just, and I just tap out and stuff, and it's just really fun though, even watching her toss Utami around because that's of course what Utami does all the time in Stardom—is toss all these other girls around with these judo moves, so. You know, watching Micah do that was really cool. Um, Utami eventually fires back. She gets her up in the Argentine backbreaker, but uh, Micah reverses it into like a cross armbreaker. Like slowly brings her down into it. That was really cool. Um, and then transitions it into a triangle, but Utami like power bombs her way out of it. So that was like another highlight sequence of the match. Um, and then after that it became the Azumi show. And man, Azumi is so fucking good. Again, at 17 years old, she is already better than, like, I don't know, 80% of the wrestlers on this earth, 90%, like, like, she is so good at this, she's bumping her ass off for these girls, just, you know, bumping, like, a complete maniac for all this offense, basically in their, like, a pinball... And she does this, like, crazy Rana into a Fujiwara armbar. She gets this, like, insane armbar takedown into a cradle thing on Julia for a great near fall. Like, she makes them all look really, really good. She makes their offense look like a million bucks. And then she just, like, takes over and gets in her offense and looks great. And the crowd's going nuts for her. Azumi is so good. Like, I cannot stress that. If you take one thing away from this solo segment where I'm pretty sure I'm mispronouncing half the names... Azumi is really, really good. And everyone should watch her wrestle because she's already so good. And she's not even of, I don't know, it's 18 legal voting age in Japan. I don't even know what legal voting. She can't drink for another three years. I know that because uh, their drinking age is 20. But yeah, I mean, she is so good already. And she, you know, if she keeps improving at the rate she's improved in the last like couple of years, I mean, she's going to be the best wrestler Maybe the best wrestler in the world by the time she turns 20. For sure, she can be the best women's wrestler. And, you know, she'll be in, like, the top 10 if she keeps improving at this rate. So, like, she's so good. Uh, Julia finally put her way, though, at the Glorious Buster to win the artist of starting titles for their team. Uh, I love, I like this a lot. I gave this three and three quarters. Really good match. Uh, and then Julia cut a good heel promo at the end. Basically says uh, she thanks the QQ kitties for a good match and then she's like oh who are the number one contenders is it to- uh, tokyo Cyber squad oh no they lost so she's really good as like this uh very smarmy very like uh, you know insincere heel she's really found her calling a- as a promo i didn't i didn't want i don't watch a lot of ice ribbon, so i don't know if this was anywhere close to her character i feel like it wasn't i feel like i the few times i did watch ice ribbon and saw her she wasn't doing anything like this but it really works for her so there you go um but yeah, she may, she basically like says she wanted to fight Hana Kimura again, but uh, it's not going to happen since the number one contenders are a way tie. Match number five, the semi-main event, the Wonder of Stardom title, Arisa Hoshiki versus B Priestley. Uh, B's new catchphrase appears to be, you can bow down to the only queen since she turned on Queen's Quest last time. Uh, Arisa just points out in her pre-match promo this would be her 10th defense if she wins, so uh you know, we'll see if she, uh, obviously she puts it away. Uh, I wanted to note that uh, that she, <laughs> Rossi apparently was like, and I swear to God I didn't even see his tweet before I, I said this, but he let me know in the voice seems like. He had tweeted it like a week earlier. but uh, So I got to give the... Full credit to Aaron Bentley from uh, Everything Elite For making the exact same joke on Twitter It'll look like I'm ripping off his joke but whatever He basically, Rossi was like uh, he, he just Takes that Bushiro money And immediately decides to buy Like a fucking blazer With the New York Yankees logo on it Like that's what he's always wanted I guess Maybe it was just very. It was a little too expensive A little bit out of his budget but he's like Oh I got those Bushiro checks now Time to get that Yankees logo blazer so yeah, that was really funny, but um, B she so the, like the first couple minutes of this match were really not that good, and it's the only thing keeping this match from being even higher than I eventually rated it because you know B like puts the big beat down on Arisa early and like starts doing the come on hit me thing, and it really wasn't that entertaining or interesting. It was just very slow and you know not I wasn't that into it, but like the moment I don't think it was even that long. I think probably maybe three minutes or something of the match because the moment Arisa like starts making like a bit of a comeback with the, the kicking and like b starts begging off uh and she's she's by the way playing it much more heelish now that she uh has joined a way tie so she's at least aware that when her tire heals but yeah she's like way more like i don't remember her doing a lot of begging off when she was in queen's quest but yeah so she's like begging off and then but then like comes back and starts like tossing around with all these suplexes and Arisa gets, like, really stiff with kicks and responses. This, this is, like, now this is, like, really outstanding. Uh, at one point, Arisa goes for a springboard, you know, one of these springboard kicks she does. And B just jumps on the middle rope. And Germans her off the middle rope in midair. That, like, had such a, a low margin of error on the, uh, you know, like, they had to make that perfect, basically. And they, like, nailed it. Like, that looked really, really good. Um you know, and they're, then they're, like, trading these knee strikes and just screaming at each other, which is a classic Joshi. And, you know, Arisa finally gets the shining impact, the running knee, for the win. Um, like I said, it got it had a slow, like, for a few minutes, but everything after that was really good. Uh, I went four and a quarter. You know, I'm not usually a big B Priestley person. I really don't think she's very good, but you know, Arisa, it's like, she, she's on one of those runs where she she can have a, you know, four-star match with virtually anybody, so, you know, she's really this Wonder of Stardom title, right? I mean, she, one of the things that has made Stardom so good in the last, like, year or so is just, like, getting her out of nowhere, basically, because she, she had retired, you know, years earlier, and just to come back and perform at this level as Wonder of Stardom champion is really something, so, you know, obviously that's been a big thing for Stardom, but yeah, she puts B away here. We don't get any note here about a new next challenger. So maybe they're going to give the belt a little bit of a break after, you know, which is already at 10 defenses after, you know, hasn't been champion even for a year. Uh, the main event so this is a non title match Mayu Iwatani against Takumi Oroha. Um, this was originally supposed to be, of course, uh, Mayu defending the, the red belt, the Wall of Stardom title against Suri. And that match may never happen because Suri is supposedly going to report to WWE by the end of the month, I believe. I don't know if that's 100% confirmed. I'm pretty sure it is, but who knows. Um, so we get Takumi Aroha instead in what became a non-title match. And, you know, Takumi, if you're not aware of who that is, she's from the Marvelous promotion. Um, they had, like, teased, basically after Bushiroad bought Stardom, uh, Chigusa Nagayo, of course a very famous uh, women's wrestler, who runs the Marvelous promotion basically said she wasn't gonna let you know Road push her around or dominate start or dominate women's wrestling. I don't remember exactly what she said, but it was something like you know, uh, that she was declaring. I think she definitely said she was declaring war on Road. and I'm pretty sure at the time people took this as a shoot. Um, you know, the you know, the I think people definitely didn't think this was like a work. If I remember correctly, I definitely don't remember anyone saying, like, oh, this is definitely a work. But it looks like, in hindsight, it either was a work all along or quickly became a work, because, you know, here's Takumi Oroha and, you know, it looks like Marvelous and Stardom are going to work together more in the future, too. I mean, uh, you know, they, like, Mayu Iwatani, after the match, basically said, you know, we are going to, I want to involve the Marvelous Juniors, you know, the, which you like they, I believe, is what they call the younger wrestlers. I don't really watch Marvelous, so I'm going on the top of my head on that one. But you know, the I believe that I mean that's their younger wrestlers, not their like lighter wrestlers. But like you know, the Marvelous Juniors and Stars, you know, all those t- all those people basically into in like getting them in the ring and uh, you know, continue, keep it going and start them So I assume this is going to continue as well. Uh, I really doubt they put Takumi over here clean, as clean as they did if they weren't going to continue working together. So it's kind of crazy that, like, starting getting bought by Bushiro just made them, you know, way more open to outsiders. Maybe that's just, be- like, a product of Bushiro and having the money to throw around. Uh, maybe Kidani just wanted to do that, or whoever is, like, overseeing bo- overseeing Starter. Maybe they're just more into having, you know, outside women's wrestlers. But, yeah, it's definitely, you know, between the, you know, all the people they brought in already and now... The partnership with Marvelous... They're definitely a lot more open to Outsiders... Than Stardom was pre-Bushi Road... Uh, but yeah... So this match... Like on top of... After that last one... You know... I was like okay... Can they... I hope they can top it, top that last match... But you know... If the, if, if the match is even like... Four flat... They would have... You know... Come in below... But they just fucking... Killed it here... Um... You know... This was everything I would have wa- wanted... And more... Uh, the the story they basically told was... Takumi Roha is a badass, which, you know, she clearly is. I mean, just look at that woman. And she just fucking threw Iwatani all over the ring. She's dominated this match. You know, it was like watching Sting Vader or something, where, like, one one of the two wrestlers, you know, the, the big monster is... Um, you know just the, her, it, it's basically a completely one sided squash almost other than like Mayu having her little hope spots but, I mean like Iroha was basically in control of this match from the moment the bell rang to start until the moment the bell rang to end with like very few uh, you know little mini comebacks by Irotani. but her offense was so good and Iwatani's like little plucky baby face come mini comebacks were so good that they never lost the crowd. The crowd was into this from start to finish. But this was like as one sided of a major match as you ever see. And like the fact that they were they had the balls to book this. To let to get destroyed like this. And, and granted, that is part of her appeal anyway, I think. That she's, you know, the, the plucky underdog. But, like, you know, she's still the fucking Wonder- World of Stardom champion. I mean, she's the Red Belt champion. And she's basically, at this point, the ace of the promotion. So, like, you know, it still took balls to let her get destroyed like this. And they must have some kind of deal to keep bringing Iroha back. But, man, it really got Iroha over, I think, in one night with the stardom crowd. Because, you know, we'll talk about the post match They were really into... Iroha in the post match. So, you know, it starts out with, uh, like, you know, they like they have a, a little tentative handshake. They go to the floor, and Iroha like she takes Mayu over her shoulder and she fucking charges right into the post. It looks super nasty. um If you want to nitpick, you could say maybe even tiny got up back in the ring a little too fast for that. It looks so nasty, but like she was selling that sh- shoulder. Basically for the rest of the match. I mean, Iwatani's selling in this match. You know, I just said the same thing about Azumi before her bumping and her selling, and Iwatani was even was probably even better here. I mean, for sure she did. She had to do it a lot longer, and her like the some of the bumps she took were incredible. Her selling was incredible. I mean, this this match was outstanding. And you know, and and Aroha was obviously great as the big monster, but Iwatani's selling was like really probably what carried it. So. You know, Takumi, she destroys Mayu with kicks and with a basement drop kick. She just keeps dominating. She, like, ragdolls Iwitani up at one point. Like, basically, like, has her in the German suplex position, but is, like, carrying her around. And then just fucking drops her. And Iwitani takes, like, this ridiculously sick German suplex bump, even for her. Like, right on the back of her neck. It looked ridiculous. Uh, and then she, like, splatters her with a powerbomb when Iwitani had tried to, like, run her way out of it at first. Uh, so Mayu makes a bit of a comeback, uh, but she's still doing a tremendous job selling the beating. She's too slow going to the top because she's doing like, such a great job selling this beating, and she gets super plucked off the top. Uh, there's this really amazing sequence where Irotani ducks, like, three straight kicks from Iroha and, like, then just germans her down in, like, all one motion. So that was, like, one of the really great little mini comebacks. That was great. But then Iroha just takes back control. You know, that was, like, basically Iritani's last gasp. Um, I mean she would try a couple little mini comebacks But not even as successful And so Iroha takes back control Just murders her with these repeated power bombs Uh, You know Mayu tries to, to come back again But Iroha finally puts her down for good With the running three And that's it Absolutely fucking awesome I have four and a half stars on this Uh, You know just one of the best um, Like completely one sided matches You'll ever see um, I don't know about ever see, but one of the best you'll see, I, I've seen in a long time. I flirted with going going higher. The only thing I would take it down for, I guess, is uh, you know, it's a little maybe a little too one sided, or maybe like to really go. That's where the you know when people talk about the star rating system failing, you know, this is like it. If you were they they, they couldn't have done a better job of what they were they set out to do. I just don't know if I felt five or four and three quarters, but uh, you know, they probably have an even better match in them where Iwatani gets a little more offense but this was like again about as good as one of these types of matches could be and I really loved it um you know it's definitely one I think you have to go out of your way to say really like all four of the matches I talked about here you know maybe you can get rid of the the number contender match I still think that was enjoyable enough you know for you know how, probably how short it was but the other three matches the uh of starting title match the wonder and then this non-title made event they were all really great so really often awesome stuff that you should go out of your way to see if you haven't seen it yet um afterwards mayu thanks iroha for the match she's basically says she lost and she's not satisfied with that so she tells iroha to please challenge her for the red belt which interestingly never happened so i don't know if they're gonna hold off on that maybe it's the older War gym main event because they're i know that's coming up in a few months i believe um After that, Oedo Tai, before we get really anything else happening, Oedo Tai hit the ring, they attack Mayu, and then, of course, uh, Saki Kashima, who used to be uh, Iwatani's partner before, you know, she turned on her and joined up with Oedo Tai, you know, says she wants a singles match with her. Iwatani basically says she's not interested in her, which I thought was really funny. Like, totally blows her off. It's like, yeah, you're not really on my level. Just get the the fuck out of here. And, you know, they're not happy with that, and they keep you know, they keep attacking her, and then Takumi Oroha comes to her aid, and like, shoves them all off, and that gets the crowd going crazy, and the crowd is now chanting her name, which I thought, you know, again, they got, I don't know if the crowd even knew her before this match, they, I'm sure some of them did, but I'm sure some of them didn't, if you're just a stardom fan, you, you know, she's, she hasn't been here in six years, so, you know, you probably don't know who she is, they were like, they got this woman over one night, so they did a great job, Uh, afterwards, Aroha talks about how, you know, like I said, she was a Ross member six years ago. Um, you know, and they, they tell her, let's do the, the stardom, you know, the stardom catchphrase. So she even does the Believe Now, Shine Tomorrow, We Are Stardom thing to close the show. So yeah, I thought that was really cool. They did a great job. And, uh, I'm, you know, really, really excited to, you know, uh, see where this goes with this marvelous stardom thing. And man, I, I cannot wait for Iroha and Irotani to have another match for the red belt because this was outstanding and I think they haven't even better in them okay so let me quickly get I, I asked people for all Japan and stardom questions and some people sent both so I did the all I should have done the all Japan questions during the uh all Japan segment already but let's do these stardom questions here um so Thoros asks I don't know much about Marvelous what would be a cool inter-promotional matchup beyond Iroha as more has been hinted Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, I actually have not watched a ton of Marvelous, uh, really almost pretty much very little. But I do have friends who watch a lot more, uh, you know, smaller Joshi companies than I watch. And one of them is uh, Luke at Oyster's Earrings, who of course was on the Joshi interview last year. So I basically asked him to do this answer for me. So shout out to Luke. He does his own podcast on Joshi. He watches a lot more uh joshi than i watch so definitely a guy that you should want definitely uh, go follow on twitter uh again it's at oysters earrings if you want to learn more about um you know all the different joshi companies other than stardom not that i don't ever watch them but i don't watch them very super often it's only so many hours in the day after all uh, he also does his own podcast at which is at apricot pod so here's what he told me he said uh as zumi versus Miu would be a legit dream match i believe that's their one of their super rookies that people always love uh, you, you definitely can see her a lot on uh twitter if you follow certain accounts um but honestly any of the marvelous rookies would put on a great show if given the opportunity uh maria mikoto shindo and Mei hoshi Mei hoshizuki versus Natsugotora saki kashima and sumari natsu would rule so there you go I'm basically giving it giving you a direct <laughs> that is directly what he dm me so thank you very much luke for answering that question for me because that's a far better answer than i would have been able to give more than likely again check out his podcast apricot pod uh let's see the other starting question i got on twitter was from niagara driver seems like they're building to a mayu takumi main event award in april well, there you go it is coming up in a few months as i thought any other matches you'd like to see on that show Uh, I really would like to see them go back to Arisa and Momo for the white belt. Uh, You know, I know they don't normally do, I think, repeat challengers. Uh, And, of course, you know, Momo is who Arisa won the white belt from in the first place. But I think they have – I mean, I thought the match where Arisa won the belt was really good. But she's gotten, like, even better since then, if anything. So I think if they had another white belt match at Odaward Gym – uh, I, you know, they could even have, like, an even better match and maybe one of the best of Arisa's, you know, really, really good reign. Um, but maybe they're, they're they, might, they might, they probably might, I, I'm thinking they're probably going to build instead to, uh, you know, since, I mean, what do I, th- I guess you're asking what what do I want to happen versus what I think will happen. What I think will happen is uh, they're building to B and, um, <laughs> why am I blanking our name? B and Jamie Hayter defending the tag titles, the guys starting tag titles against, the team of Momo and Utami, since of course, uh, you know, B turned on Momo to join up with a Red Otai. So I think that's what they're gonna do. And not that I don't want to see that match or anything. I mean that's that sounds pretty good honestly, but I would rather see Arisa and Momo. And then maybe you could do, I don't know, try to try to send Jungle and uh Kiona for revenge, or jungle Kiona, Jungle and Konami for revenge against uh, you know, the top Gaijin as it were. I think that they don't. I don't think that's a team name they're using, right? Because I know, uh, like, why is Jamie Hader okay with B Priestly calling herself the top Gaijin? Like, shouldn't you also want to be the top Gaijin, ma'am? I don't know. Yeah, I guess you'd have to ask her. But uh, there you go. I guess uh, that's about my biggest answer. I mean, anything. Else, I mean, if they could get Siri back and do, uh, you know, Siri versus anybody, that'd be awesome. Terrible. What are you gonna do? Uh, let's say from the Discord. Uh, first of all, on the Super J Cast channel, Michael CC. Is military leader Natsuka Katora the biggest glow up in wrestling history? Also, thoughts on thoughts on Stardom continuing to as a full heel f- faction and removing their tweener appeal. Well, again, are they a <laughs> full heel faction with no tweener appeal? Because like that six man ta- that six woman tag I reviewed on this show, they were still working like baby faces for half of it. So that was really weird to me. After I because I've I read that question, I've heard that they are like you know full heels now. And it feels like, uh, you know, they just, they, they, they're not really all that much more hellish But yeah, not so good as a military leader is a really cool look for her. I definitely agree with that. Uh, it's a much better look than she ever had in, uh, fucking the Jungle Assault Nation. Uh, if that's even their name. <laughs> I think it is Jan, right? Jan, Jan, Jan. Uh... Velcage Bracca, I I always mispronounce his name, I think. I'm sorry, buddy. Velcay Bracca. What percentage do you think Queen's Quest has in surviving the draft and not disbanding and members being seated among the other factions? So I never even thought of this until you said it, until you asked me this question. So, you know, I guess it's higher than zero since you're asking and you think it's likely. Uh, you know, again, someone who watches even more Star than I do probably has a better feel of that. To me it's like insane to even think about, but I'm also kind of a uh QQ stan as far as like if i was gonna stand any of these units and, you know they have a lot of my favorite wrestlers and it's just a unit i've always really been drawn to so uh i don't know i guess i guess you're saying it's pretty high and i guess i'm gonna guess like 50% at least but i really hope not because i love QQ and why would we want to break them up they're the greatest uh i age coming it's Takumi iroha the coolest wrestler in the world i mean she's fucking up there have you ever seen that woman in a suit I think it's uh, at Noah's Savior on Twitter, Uh, Alex, who's been on here before, who always points out when she wears a suit that, like, she can rock a suit better than, like, most men. (laughs) Like, she looks so good in these fucking suits. So, yeah, she is a very cool wrestler. She's, if she's not the coolest in the world, she is high, high on the list. So that is a a good question by Ice Age coming. Let's see. Do we have any stardom-related questions on the Voices of Wrestling server? It uh, looks like no so that's it for the starting questions the other ones I would have are all Japan questions which you've apparently heard already so folks uh that'll be it for this week I'd like to thank you all for listening uh next week we will be back on the show again to talk basically we have four straight nights at Cork and Hall coming up for new Japan uh, the 19th through the 22nd uh, those four shows look really good uh, I don't know if you've seen these cards um, might as well do look a little mini preview while i you know we got a little bit of time here at the end although i i have no idea how long the all japan segment went so really i have no idea how long how much time we have but yeah those are four really great cards i mean you, night one on the 19th you know you have a the tiger Tory retirement event and you know i mean it's a little weird having a re- whole retirement show for a referee even one as legendary as tiger but you know his last two matches he's gonna rep them both and The main event for his retirement match is actually pretty damn good as far as these six-man tags go. I mean, you have uh, Okada, Ishii, and Goto against Naito, Shingo, and Sonata, And, you know, this is not only a match where there's, like, no obvious pin-eaters. You know, maybe Ishii will pin Shingo to put more heat on their Never Title match the the next night. But it's the first time Okada and Naito will be back in the same ring together since, uh, you know, Okada... Uh, of course, lost the double title match to naito at Wrestle Kingdom, so that's a very interesting little match. I'm I'm pretty excited for that one. Uh, so definitely not one I'm gonna skip. right I think even beyond wanting to see Tiger's, I I, I assume final retirement. It looks like the, the man feels like he's had like 50 retirements. Let's be real. Uh, night two, the first of the two New Japan Road nights, of course has two big title matches. Tomohiro Ishii challenging Shingo Takagi for the never-open-weight title, uh, a rematch of their outstanding match in the G1 last year. So, I mean, that there's no way that isn't good, basically. And then your semi-main, uh, Rapunki 3K against the mega-coaches of Rocky Romero and Ryusuke Taguchi. They set that up at New Beginning in Osaka. So that could also be really good. Uh, on the undercard, you have the, the, the five original LIJ, mem- LIJ members teaming up for the first time in ages i believe it definitely has to be the first time they've teamed up since hiromu came back um because I, I can't i really can't think of when i watch all these shows i mean unless they did it on some house show they didn't air but the first televised i should say at the very least uh so you have naito evil Sonata, hiromu and bushi against manabu nakanishi hiroshi tenzan satoshi kojima yuji nagata and tiger mask uh you know that's one of nakanishi's last matches before leading up to the time on the 22nd uh, that is like one of those low key uh, you know, matches I'm hyped for because you basically have L.I.J. getting to be heels. It's always fun when they get to be heels and they're going to heal it up on the old guys and the fans are going to get mad at them. Uh, you know, Tiger Mask is going to be in there with uh, Bushi and Hiromu and Tiger Mask can still go. Uh, you know, Nakanishi is going to like go after Naito at some point. It's going to be fun. I mean, that's going to be a really fun match So as far as undercard 10 man tags go. So I'm excited for that one. Uh, the 21st, the New Japan Road Show. That's headlined by the IWGP Tag Team Title Match, um, Grills of Destiny versus Tanahashi and Abushi, and I I've been noting this on my Twitter feed uh, that like basically so so if you don't know how to check uh, New Japan ticket sales, there's basically three ticket sites you can look at, and on top of that, there's also you don't you have no way of knowing how the and Hall box office does, but like my understanding is basically when if they sell out of the three sites, then and they still have tickets. up to the box office, the box office will basically send the tickets to the three sites, which apparently is what happened here. Because like when they announced this Tanahashi Ibushi title challenge, like the tickets, you know, I try to do try to monitor the ticket sites to like you know see how New Japan's doing, especially when they they did the they had like the, those well publicized problems, um, you know, a couple weeks ago at the Road to New Beginning shows, like with that that first night, did 1,100 fans. You know, the second night uh, I think it was like twelve hundred, and the third night fourteen hundred. So very low numbers for New Japan at Korikan. They're just running Tokyo a lot in the next two months. So that you know, apparently everybody saw those three cards, which really nothing special. And we're like, oh, these are the ones we can miss, I guess. But yes, yeah, so I was very interested in monitoring how these tickets were selling. And before they announced anything, uh, you know, the two retirement shows were obviously way ahead of the New Japan road shows. Uh, the time retirement show already basically was sold out. The Tori show was doing pretty well. The, the New Japan Raw ones were not doing well at all. They were, they ba- barely had anything sold. Uh, after they announced the title matches, the show on the twentieth with the never title match it picked up, but the show on the twenty first with Tanahashi and Ibushi challenging G O D for the tag titles, those tickets like they sold out of the entire uh, allotment. Like all three ticket sites sold out everything they had in like a day or a day and a half after they put this that after they announced that match. So yeah, people are very into Tanahashi and Ibushi challenging the tag titles together. Uh, they're very into, you know, the idea of them possibly becoming tag team champions here. They probably think it's very likely. So yeah, they, that was like that was a big eye opener. That like you know, I guess not a big eye opener because they're big stars, but like you know, just watching the tickets fly off the shelves was kind of crazy. But now after a couple of days, they they had more tickets on sale, and I think what happened was basically like the box office sent them some more tickets so they could go back on sale. So there you go. But yeah, the twenty first I think will sell out uh you know if it hasn't already i haven't checked today yet but uh you know the 20th i mean the the 19th is almost there the 22nd is sold out i don't even know if that if that's 100% official but like i haven't seen anything on the ticket sites in day in, in like a week honestly uh the 19th is not quite there but it's close the 21st you know like i said they did sell out of all their tickets and they got a few back on sale and they're probably sold out again after you know by the time i'm recording this and the one that the only one of the four that might not sell out is the one on the 20th which is interesting because if you, you know, if you follow enough people, you'd assume Shingo, like Western fans, you'd assume Shingo and H.E.E. would be a lock, but it's behind the other three shows. So uh, there you go. But yeah, so the the 21st, you've got Tanahashi Tabushi challenging the G.O.D. for the tag titles. You've got Taguchi, Cabana, and Yano challenging Shingo, Evil, and Bushi for the Never Six Fan titles. You have another Six Fan Tag with Okada and Naito. uh, Okada, Osprey, and Rocky Romero. Will Osprey, by the way, the new... Uh, I guess spoiler alert for Red Pro the new British heavyweight champion Okada, Ospreay, and Rocky Romero against Naito, Sonata, and Oromu yeah so so, like this is I think this is probably the weakest of the four shows honestly Uh, you know especially if I mean like you know the the main event uh, it it could be good because Tanahashi Nibushi are very good wrestlers but uh, man G.O.D. is on quite the run of bad matches so I don't know Uh, but yeah I think this is probably the weakest of the four when you include like the, like sentimental element of the nakanishi retirement and then finally on saturday the 22nd it wraps up with the nakanishi retirement uh they, they pretty get a pretty all-star match there with nakanishi tenzan kojima and nagata against okada tanahashi ibushi and goto um so that's you know your main event there you know and then we get the retirement ceremony uh, there's also a naito shingo evil against ishii yoshihashi and wool osprey semi-main which you know, interesting to see nitro mix it up there with who he's, you know, big, 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 been big, 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 rivals with. Wow, I'm, like, losing my ability to talk after <laughs> 38 minutes of solo podcasting. I don't know how Joe Lans and Rich Crates do this. But, yeah, Naito and Ishii, uh you know, there's so much history there. Um, you know, I would love if they if they get in a title match because they pretty much always knock it out of the park. Uh, they did again in the g1 last year and then maybe even you know naito and will osprey could have him at singles match now uh osprey's officially moved up to heavyweight now that he's the new british heavyweight champion he did he did officially announce that on twitter so people can stop asking is he a heavyweight is he not a heavyweight but yeah i mean that would be an interesting first time ever singles match so we'll see if they tease anything obviously naito and haromo are going to have their big singles match on march 3rd the anniversary show i can't fucking wait for that i mean i'm looking forward to that as much as any other match honestly so there you go. So uh, next week on Omakase, we're going to cover all four of those shows. Uh, my guest will be Haley, who was on the show last year. Uh, people seem to really like her as a guest, so she'll be returning. We're also going to be talking about the DDT February 23rd Corrigan into the fight 2020, uh, which I have the card here. I had to pause it to pull it up, honestly. So a little, little weird little break there. But the main event is Masato Tanaka defending the KOD openweight title against Mao. Uh, we have the inaugural DET Universal Championship match for Kanosuke Takashita against Chris Brooks. Uh, we have the Elimination Eight Man tag with the new Damnation Stronghearts Business Partnership uh, Daisuke Sasaki, Tetsuya Endo, T Hawk, and Al Lindeman against Akito, Shuma Katsumata, Yuki Ino, and Chihiro Hashimoto from Sendai Girls. That should be awesome. Uh, a three way tag team match, Hiroshima. Yuki Ueno against Shima and sh- Soma Takao, and Masio Takanashi and uh, Makoto Oishi. A six man tag with Don Shokudino and Super Sasango Machine, and Yasu Urano replacing Cody Hall, who uh, recently crashed out of DT in shame and disgust, as he, sh- as he should have, honestly. Against Shinya Aoki. Hiroshi Amato and Kazuki Hirata. Another six-man tag, Higuchi, Yukio Sakaguchi, and Saki Akai, that brand new unit, against Toru Owashi, Naomi Yoshimura, and Mizuki Watashi. And a three-way opener at Mad Polly, Yukio Naya, and Keigo Nakamura. So that card looks really great as well. So that'll be next week's Wrestling Makase. Five big corkens to talk about. Uh, four from New Japan and one from DUT. So I'm very excited to have Haley back on and talk all five of them. But folks, that'll do it. Uh, Hopefully this solo segment went okay. Um, You know, this is only the second time I've done it, so be sure to let me know on either the Voices of Wrestling Discord or the Super J-Cast Discord or on Twitter, you know, if this uh, sounded all right or if you want me to do more of these in the future. You know, basically when I have a show I really want to talk about, but my guests I booked don't watch it because not everybody watches everything. You know, that's basically when I'm going to bust out these solo segments. So here we go. uh, Stardom solo segment after an all japan episode next week we're talking new japan dt we really cover everything on this show so you know thank you as always for listening or everything japanese i guess because guess what we're not covering fucking AEW. there's only five podcasts on this network if you want to <laughs> hear some aw coverage uh shout out to the they always plug every other podcast so shout out to the uh other podcasts on this network especially um i really enjoyed this week's uh wednesday war games where they seem to give me a personal shout out every week as their. Uh, <laughs> as their way to get me to keep listening even though i don't even watch dynamite or nxt so shout out to garrett and liam who are uh two great hosts and definitely check that up that show out if you don't normally check it out check out everything elite too which is a, a cool podcast that we do not have a feud with contrary to popular belief but uh i listened to that this week as well nate is going to be coming on in a couple weeks so you know definitely check that out they they did a good job this week as well uh there's the voice of wrestling flagship there's music of the mat to shake them ropes. Uh, I'm trying to list off. I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Oh, duh, the fucking Super Jcast. Who host my podcast. Uh, yes, thank. Or host my uh, host my Discord server. Or a channel on the Discord server. Folks, I am rambling like an idiot. Uh, I'm sorry if I forgot your podcast. And you're on this network. Uh, I know there's that Lucha Underground one or something. <laughs> I'm making that up. That doesn't exist anymore. But folks, uh, thank you. As always, for listening, Uh, I greatly appreciate it. You can follow us on Twitter at Wrestle Omikase. Wrestling did not fit. Uh, Please watch uh, Madoka Magic a Side Story. It's really good, Magia Record. (laughs) I'm really enjoying it. I don't know why I'm playing anime, but if if you're not watching the show, if you watch the original Madoka and you haven't seen Magia Record yet, it's so good in the last couple episodes where they they did that all that like amazing art where they're like uh counting down the number of lucky moments that the girls have left before something bad happens to them like you you have to like really look for the numbers especially early on but they they're constantly counting down it's just like the art on that show is really really fantastic and yeah definitely watch watch magia record all right folks that's a really strange way to end this podcast, but I again, thank you as always for listening uh next week new japan d t and follow us on Twitter at Russell Omikase. Give me some money. I don't know if I deserve to be paid for this performance, but uh, red circle uh the- the red circle donate link is in the bio, in the bio <laughs> I'm like just laughing like an idiot to myself, and that's apparently. What this podcast is now. And folks, we're going to have fucking sponsors for the first time ever. I'm going to have to do an ad read. Can you imagine me doing an ad read? That's coming soon because we have now network wide sponsors. So if you listen to all those podcasts I mentioned earlier, or one of the ones I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure I fucking forgot to mention. Oh, the five-star match game. I definitely forgot to mention I've been on that one. And I forgot to mention the five-star match game. Hopefully that's the only one I'm forgetting. There was a Ring of Honor one for like two seconds. I don't think that's still around. Five-star match game. I definitely did forget. Uh, definitely check that out. But folks, uh, the end of this podcast. No one's listening to this anyway. Who fucking cares? No one listens all the way to the end of the podcast. But listen, okay? Uh, give us some money. Some sponsors. I don't know why we're going to have sponsors. That's I'm going to have to read an ad, or several ads, and you're going to hear the same ads across all those podcasts I mentioned, and I'm sure I'm going to do the worst fucking job of reading these fucking ads. So I think that starts next week. So there's a hook to tune in next week to hear me awkwardly and terribly read this ad copy. So check that out. Folks, I really got to hit stop on this episode. Thank you for listening. See you again next time.